The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code broken silicon for 25% off Windows codes and die shrink for 3% off all other codes. Links in the description and I will say more later, but for now, let's get to the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a computer hardware and gaming podcast. I'm your host, Tom. I'm joined by Western Massachusetts. Dan. I can see behind him. It looks much more orderly in your new apartment. You've just finished moving. You you finished trucking across the United States uh, to a different distribution center to send fish to different people, much like Sam Porter Bridges from Death Stranding. Uh, yeah. How does the dog like where you are now, now that you're not like in as much of an urban area like Boston? I mean, I think it's better. I mean, I, I, I didn't like actually live in Boston. I lived in a far worse city than Boston. <laughs> um, and dogs are like illegal there. So it's pretty cool to live in a place where dogs aren't illegal. Yeah, when you stayed here in Peoria, you did keep commenting on how much easier it was to do literally anything with our dogs. Yeah, you can get fined for having your dog in a park. Uh, and, and like, have you seen people get fined? I never was fined, but I knew people like I would go to a dog park and uh, several of them had stories about police giving them like a $25 ticket for daring to walk their dog in a public park. <laughs> yeah, that's just, you know, actually, it's funny. I've been, as you know, Dan, I, right now I'm kind of like trying to plan out my next moves like I've everyone knows I'm doing this full time and that I want to start doing more creative work in addition to this channel eventually but I've been like looking at cities that I could move to and I've just said like I've just ruled out LA New York and Chicago because I don't want to deal with that that urban that much of a center basically yeah I I kind of agree like Not that I dislike these cities. I've liked all of them. I go to Chicago all the time. Especially a place like L.A., at least based on what I've heard about them, that L.A. is just (laughs) oppressive how much how urban it is. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. I want to say this. The problem I would have with L.A. is everyone says you have to drive everywhere. So it's like, so what? So what's the benefit? So like now I have to drive everywhere still. I can't walk to all of these places. And yet I still have to deal with all the downsides of a city as opposed to like a a more mid-sized city where you can often just walk to like public parks and nature preserves, several right next to your house. There's just a forest near my house. Yeah, I know. Or like even New York, which just, you know, you can just walk places. Although I know a lot of people have issues with green space in New York where they're like, well, how about instead of having a bunch of parks, will you just have one massive one in one spot in the city? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did look at that and I saw other parks, but they were like, I mean, <laughs> some cities definitions of parks are very different to what I would call a park. Like some of them are like literally like, hey, we've got this 100 square foot area. Uh, like, and Let me think, too. Like, yeah, like just like 100 square feet. No, I think there are literally in some cities parks that small. Like 
Yeah, this is a park. We we have a, enough room for a bench, a light pole, a tree, and a sign that call this a park. It's a park. Yep, we have one bench, so you can't shut up. It's a park. But yeah, and I don't mean to like shit on L.A. because I feel like I do feel like um, as much as I don't think I would want to live in L.A., that people seem to shit on it so much that I'm starting to feel bad for it, even if it has like Hollywood. And a, like it's full of like Instagram people and it's easy to make fun of. It's like, yeah, but it seems like, oh, New York, greatest city in the world. And then you talk about L.A. and it's like, oh, so time to start roasting L.A. Like just every time. It's just like open season. Yeah, that's true. So I don't want to. I don't want I mean, without spending a significant amount of time there, I feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've I've never been to L.A. before, so I really can't speak about anything except what I like know culturally what I've heard about it in the zeitgeist. Which is all people saying, man, I'm glad I don't live in L.A. That's my impression of people talking about L.A. on podcasts. Yeah, that's a good impression. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I've been thinking about it. I think what I'll end up doing next year is I'm going to wait. Obviously, there's no point in going anywhere now. So let's just leave it at that. But but I mean, like, I do feel like by early next year, hopefully things will start opening up. And then also, because this is a computer hardware podcast, there will be some sort of like Zen 3 APUs and next gen laptops out. And I'll just get a decent enough laptop that I can do everything mobile and just start checking places out. I'd like to. I'd like to be able to go do things again. Like, I, I really missed not being at Hot Chips in person. Uh, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks that you weren't able to do that this year. But then again, no one can do anything fun this year. So, yeah, well, I guess let's get into it. Um, So I think what we used to call like goofy mail, I'm just going to call opening important questions. So these are the most important reader mails we've received in the past two weeks, Dan. And we'll get to the most important ones first before getting into corrections and omissions. And of course, the news stories of the past two weeks. So the first most important question Jory writes in and he says, what is the best salad? Dan, what say you? Uh, Caprese is pretty good. I like that. I like Cobb salads are pretty good. I'm not much of a salad person, honestly. And it's especially when I cook for myself and I like to cook and I make some decently complicated recipes sometimes, but it's like, I just don't see the point. What is the point of, because they're not a small amount of work. Like you have to chop a bunch of stuff up Mix it together. You don't eat it right away. It's going to go bad. It's all vegetables that you chopped up. And so there's like, what, 100 calories in that whole salad at most? Like, what's the point of this thing? Why are we eating this? I don't get it. It's to fill your stomach up with things that don't have calories. I I mean, so I don't know. Just don't eat. Yeah, but then you get hungry. So just eat. Okay, well, (laughs) I mean, it's funny, like, because I have a garden and the salads I make at this point, it's like, hey, I've got a surplus of bucket of peppers. So I'm just going to cut up 10 bell peppers. And then that's like a lunch with actual not that many calories, actually, is it still, but actually something more than lettuce. Yeah, I mean, at least still probably I don't know what pepper or I'll I'll, like just use broccoli, just all broccoli and tomatoes with like French dressing. You'll get some vitamin K with that, at least, instead of literally just fiber. <laughs> Snails writes in, and he says, who smells worse after a long day of work? Dan, after leaving a fish lab, or Tom, after leaving an office full of engineers? I would guess probably me, right? 
especially when I was an undergrad, man, when I was like feeding fish, ooh, that was not good. Feeding fish is a very, very gross and dirty process. And then add in the fact that I sweat way too much and it's just not good. (laughs) Max, nemesis of plants and faces. Now this is Carbon Cry and he changed his name to nemesis of plants and faces because another moderator is named Face Plants and he was harassed multiple times by someone in the Discord for as far as we can tell, no reason. And so after Max left, Carbon Cry decided we need to keep the spirit of harassing that other moderator alive. <laughs> so this is Carbon Cry, and he says, if you became a Twitch streamer right now, what would be the games you'd stream, and why would you pick each of them? I don't know that I'll ever be a streamer. Honestly, I don't have like any interest in it, but like probably Borderlands. That's my answer. I don't understand the purpose of streaming, so I don't know what I would do. If you want to see me... If you'd want to like watch me silently play a video game, I mean, that's that's what my Twitch stream would be. That's what I think if we did it, we would have to do a co-op game that's goofy so that we talk about something. I think that's why people listen. It's kind of like you have a friend nearby and he's like talking about goofy stuff. And if it's an entertaining person, it's kind of like, you know, background noise. I think I think that's why most people watch streamers. I can't honestly say because I don't, to be honest. Yeah, I'd have to imagine that's probably the case. I I don't know what other reason you would have to watch Twitch streams. And now we'll probably make a bunch of people that like Twitch a lot mad. So Don Juan's woofer writes in and he says, when did you first realize that your new TV, when powered off at certain times of day, reflects the sun in a way that it becomes a death ray to your camera? (laughs) Feel like there's some constructive criticism there. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of the best displays are very reflective and I do look for it, and uh, there have been live... It's probably the live streams where it becomes an issue because I'm talking for a while, and it's less about perfect framing. Yeah, and I'd imagine usually like you close off uh, like natural light sources when you're filming, I think, so... Right, but I, I want some open sources, so sometimes like this side window behind me, right, will just reflect at like a 90-degree angle right at me. It's pretty, it's got to be for like 10 minutes a day where the sun's at the perfect angle, though, to come through the front deck, through the plants at that angle. But I'm sure it happens if he's telling me not so timidly. And probably only certain times of year it would happen as well. But, you know, you need the death ray on your camera every once in a while. It helps. It helps keep the lens in good shape. So. All right. Well, I think that's enough of the most important questions in warming up. Yeah, we got through them. Yeah. Yeah, those those were all important. Uh, Time to corrections and omissions. Carbon Cry writes it, and he says, on the GOG Epic Store partnership that you guys touched on in the last news episode, Galaxy 2.0 has the main goal of being the one launcher, fully integrating games from other storefronts, even with achievements and core social functions. This is how that partnership makes sense. It allows GOG to tie Epic Platform into Galaxy 2, much smoother and fully featured. And for Epic, it, of course, just increases their footprint and visibility, which is their strategy with the free games. If Seymour EA or Ubisoft wanted to partner with GOG in the same way they could, the whole point of Galaxy 2.0 is to integrate everything. With such a goal, you can't pick and choose. You want as close a partnership with everyone as you can get. And by the way, AMD still has this in Adrenaline. Hmm. Does he mean they have those partnerships with Adrenaline? Because that's the one thing I would do. No, I think I think AMD still tries to. I've noticed okay. that in the background. You can still kind of do that stuff. Uh, they used to have that Raptor thing, but now they just have like a like really toned down one, which I don't know if I want that or not. Honestly, I'm just going to speak for myself. I want the drivers to have the features, but then put away. 
and with as little of the community stuff in the drivers as possible. I want it to run my graphics card and control it. That's all I want. Oh, yeah, obviously. And then every once in a while, I, like sometimes they introduce a good new feature. Like, what is it? Is it Relive? That's what it's, what it's called, right? Like, yeah. It works fine. And it's fine that you have that. But I, I want kind of want drivers to be as bare bones as possible when it comes to all of the that shit. I mean, obviously, overclocking utilities, those are nice. But I don't need all of this extra crap added on top of it. Yeah, and I got to say that I don't really see Steam ever joining this because the biggest, one of the biggest reasons, right? I mean, at this point, me and you just have friends. We'll get on Discord to talk while we're playing a game. But the, one of the biggest draws for Steam for a lot of people is that it does have the biggest, most comprehensive community. And so why would they join GOG? Yeah, I don't know why they would. I could see Origin and Uplay doing it, though. Uh, maybe. I mean, I still think Origin is big enough at this point. I, I feel like Origin and Uplay are both big enough where they... But does anyone actually use the community features? Probably not that much, no. I mean, their community th- features are a lot more restricted, especially on Origin. I think Uplay tries to do it a little bit more than what Origin does, but no. Not, Steam is the, the extra the bugs game. to boot with Uplay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Steam is the only one that really seems to have a super strong community surrounding it. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I guess I could actually see Uplay and Origin join this whole alliance thing. And let's be honest, that's what they should do. The whole point should just be one storefront where these publishers are just trying to cut out middlemen. That's what they they should all you be uniting against Steam or it's a complete waste of time frankly. You're just making everyone download these different storefronts. Like and I I don't like it's almost to the point where I'm like, just I'm like, fine, I just won't get this. Like I'm so sick of having to yeah, deal with because like because you know Steam will update itself and stuff, but then I'll try to boot up a game from one of these other storefronts, and it's like, oh yeah, I haven't opened that app that has way more overhead than Steam for a month, so now I have to update all my games that I thought I was going to be able to play. Yeah, I know, and I mean, I guess I, the comparison I immediately thought of is. Hulu, but Hulu has kind of fallen apart in a weird way. I mean, Hulu still works, but it's not. It'll what probably it be, as. yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> what about Peacock, Dan? You don't want to get Peacock and CBS All Access, and then I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, bold prediction: Peacock isn't going to do well. I think I might have a free subscription to Peacock. So, uh, yeah, I'll, you I'll got it with your new internet. Point. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine it's another Hulu. Yeah, I know. That's why it's like I almost don't even want to bother connecting to it. But whatever. Maybe I'll try sometime. VI Pass writes in and he says, On Horizon Zero Dawn performance, which you touched on in the last die shrink, one of the big highlights that you might have missed was the performance of RDNA architecture versus GCN and NVIDIA. This was one of the other reasons I brought up the optimizations of consoles using RDNA. Hardware Unboxed did an excellent review and hopefully looks in the PCIe 4.0 versus 3.0 that they found affects this game. Yeah, so there was a reader mail at the end of the last die shrink for everyone listening. And it was, you know, kind of like, was it badly optimized Horizon for PC or not? And I hadn't looked into it that much. I mean, I've already played the game, so it's not something really on my radar, even though it just came to PC. And I find that the op, it's really not, uh, and this is one of those things where I'm like, guys, I don't know that this is actually less optimized than console, right? Like if I go here and I'm looking at the benchmarks from Hardware Unboxed, I can see that an RX 580 gets 
35 frames per second in 1440p. Now on the PS4 Pro, it runs in checkerboarded 4K. So it's like half 4K technically. So it'll be a little lower performance than 35 at a locked 30. And yes, the PlayStation 4 Pro is clocked lower than a 580, but it does also have FP16 and 64 ROPs. So I think it's more than fair to compare it. As far as I can tell, this Horizon Zero Dawn performance lines up exactly with what's on console. It's just, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to say besides that. I mean, the 5700 XT performs a round of 2080. What else can you say? I I think long-term, that's something you might expect. I've always said that. I don't think they should be that far away from each other in performance. That, yeah, like I think the 2080 will always be a little ahead of it, but not that much. Fundamentally, they're not that different cards on paper. And over time, you're just going to saturate them and they'll perform pretty similar, I think. I mean, yeah. And I think we said that last time as part of the... I think there's some assumption that Horizon Zero Dawn might just not look that good because it's just a PS4 game, but it's a really, really impressive game. So don't be surprised if it does actually test some... test a mid-range system, frankly. (laughs) Well, yeah, like that's the thing I want to point out too. When you play that game, the amount... I think the polygon count on that T-Rex, they said is rivaling some of the demos they're showing for next gen. Uh, the, like, that's the polygon count to that T-Rex. Yeah, I think it's 550k polygons, something like that. Most characters in games are like forty to 80,000 polygons, and they have objects walking around with these moving parts all over them. Like, it's insane. And, the, and, and that was a game that, well, it, it was locked at 30 frames. It was very stable frame pacing. For, for, again, I don't know if it is on PC. I'll say that, right? Yeah. And also, um, it had a lot of things going on in the background, like rabbits running around and stuff without all these dips. It, like, for instance, like I think Red Dead Redemption 2 does similarly impressive stuff, but it's much less stable than Horizon. Yeah, I mean, which is interesting. I don't... Has- Red Dead Redemption, have they fixed their optimization issues yet on PC, or is it just I Again, I never thought it was that bad. If you compare okay. the 580's performance, it was performing like a PS4 Pro, guys. It's just harder to run. It's harder to run. The Witcher 3 has less little animals running around. It does. Like, like a lot less. Like, on Red Dead Redemption 2, if you go into Deadeye mode, you'll see there's like 10 snakes on the ground, 5 rabbits, 4 <laughs> birds in the distance, and there's a wagon with horses. There's way more going on on screen. Yeah, I know. And I, it's easy for it's easy to forget that that actually is taxing something, even if you're not directly interacting with it. All, all those rabbits have polygons and AI and yeah. And and I mean, like to compare, like I just think a lot of games focus on the gameplay aspects and not on super high frame rates. They think it's better gameplay to have a world that feels more alive and then just lock it at 30. So if you get to play it at 60 on PC, you're doing far better than the consoles, guys. Yeah, and it's like Red Dead Redemption controls very, very... It's a very lumbering game, so you don't need the twitchy 60 FPS for that game, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, Carbon Cry writes in again, and he says, Tom, you said that half of the listeners hate us, referring to you and Dan. I want to be clear. Half of the listeners hate you, Tom. Nobody hates Dan. We all know Dan is okay. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough with the reader corrections and omissions. I think we should get to our first story after dilly-dallying for so long here. So story number one, this is just kind of a wrap-up of all of my thoughts on hot chips. It's interesting. I think 
Like if I think back one year ago when I was there at Stanford in person, I did like three live streams. And so I've been wondering like, I've been wondering to myself, when you look at the stuff they presented for this Hot Chips, there were plenty of interesting subjects, but it's like at the same time, you know, I got to go to a behind the scenes Intel event and meet Jim Keller and Roger Kadori. It's kind of hard to not be more excited in person when you're meeting real people. And so as much as there were a bunch of impressive things to talk about, I just think, you know, I almost did a live stream before we started recording, Dan, and I'm like, ah, you know, just save it for the end of the week uh, or something end of month. You know, I don't, I, I think the most, the biggest thing I wanted to talk about was the Xbox stuff, but I will summarize my thoughts really quick here after dilly dallying. So my thoughts from Hot Chips after just going through it for two days are there is tons of fabric in HBM talk constantly. Everyone's moving to chiplets. These companies that I didn't know even made server chips are making ARM server chips that all seem to use fabrics and chiplets for scalability. So it's interesting to see everyone talking about similar principles that Zen pioneered. And then also there was, this is something Carbon Cry pointed out to me, programmable FPGAs dominated like almost every single thing. Like uh, there was not that much of an ASIC focus so much as FPGAs that can be reprogrammed for several tasks. So that was kind of something to take away, I would say, to people too. And then additionally, I just let Carbon Cry write down notes for the IBM thing because he's kind of the resident Vega and uh, IBM fanboy. And he says IBM's Power 10 is indeed likely good enough to stop customers from switching from IBM to Rome. You know, they have like 30 cores with eight threads per core and uh, their fabrics and the stuff they talked about looks really impressive, Uh, but that it's still probably unlikely to take much market share from Intel and AMD, right? Just kind of what you'd expect, right, Dan? I don't know. Did you get a chance to look through the slides? I looked through some of them. I, I didn't get a chance to look through the IBM slides. Frankly, I don't know what useful thing, useful information I could really garner from the IBM slides, if I'm being honest. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. What are those? Are, are IBMs, they're mostly being used on like Linux systems, I would assume, right? So I, I, I don't know why IBM would take market share from AMD or Intel at this point. I mean, they still use Linux a lot for like Roman stuff. Yeah, I know that's true. I'm just saying, uh, I I don't know what uh, reasoning IBM has for taking market share. I I just don't really know what they're doing that much. I know they exist and they are able to keep a certain amount of market share, but that's about it. Yeah, I guess the other thing before we get to the main thing I talked about, you know, I will get to the Xbox thing soon, guys. But the other one was Ice Lake Server, which was interesting that. From what I'm told, the enhancements they're making to the memory system that they showed off is actually really, really impressive. And someone I know who's looking into, who looks at both, you know, Threadripper and Intel HEDT systems, says that actually the 18-core i9 he has is actually able to compete with 24 and 32-core Threadrippers, even the pro mm-hmm. versions in some AutoCAD tasks. It's like, yes, he said the can benchmarks, AMD looks better. But in real world usage, he had to show AMD reps like, look, it's performing just as well, if not better than AMD. You still got to work on latency. And from what I've heard, Ice Lake should, should be good enough in the HEDT and server market, assuming it actually does come out right on time, we'll see, to keep those markets that still want that blend of more than 24 cores 
and really low latency. He thinks. We'll have to see Zen 3 first, though, right? But I mean, yeah, and that makes sense where, like, even if Ice Lake is only up to 28 cores, that still will probably be enough to hold on to a decent amount of the market they already have. Well, and that was another interesting thing. They only showed 28 cores, which I checked with a couple sources, and they're like, no, that is the HCC die. So that's high core count. So there's XCC, extreme core count. And I double-checked, no, their XCC die, which is always a bit more experimental, but still there nonetheless, is mm-hmm. up to 36 cores, cut down from a 38 or 40 core. That still exists, even though they didn't talk about it. And it's just up for debate if they're going to ever release it or not, though. I mean, yeah, I think looking through those slides, they call they called like the 28 core there. Here's our 28 core example die, which I don't know, that seems to sound mm. like to me there they're probably still working on a 36 core die that a 36 core that I product think yeah. pro- product that they would probably still release, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, the fact is ice Lake servers based on the, it's a, it's a tweaked version, but it's the same 10 nanometer node that ice Lake laptop used and tiger Lake uses a new updated node, the super fin one, oh. uh, which supposedly has significantly better yields and higher boost team. Um, and then, of course, after that is the one Golden Cove uses in Sapphire Rapids, which is above that one even for late next year. So there is an open question. And if they're like, why would we bother if we can just maybe rush forward Sapphire Rapids or something, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I still think they need to release a 36 core to save face. And I mean, I'll be let down because I really do think that, you know, people are like, oh, this is pathetic. This will be worse against Milan than you know, what they have now against Rome. It's like, I disagree, assuming they can keep power usage in check, which again, not saying they will be able to, but assu- <laughs> but assuming they at least doesn't get worse, you know, 18%, I think they even show for the server version, it might be 19% over Cascade Lake, like 19% more IPC, a, you know, 30% or so increase in core counts. That is a big update. And that's way better than Cascade Lake versus 64 core Rome, I think, even if Milan is 20 to 40% better. Like, I think this is, like, this would be better. And and I think it's important because most people don't need more than 32 cores for their HEDT systems. Like, most people buy, you know, like, having a low-latency 32 core HEDT Ice Lake rig I think would serve a lot of people really well and at least ensure AMD doesn't go buck wild with pricing on mid-range Threadripper. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's I Milan, it's looking like is going to stay at 64 cores. So it's not like there's going to be some insane uplift in uh, core count, right? Uh, no, it should be exactly the same. You know, 64 yeah. cores, but, you know, 10 to 20% higher IPC, higher base clocks and, you know, maybe slightly higher boost clocks. You know, so so Milan should be, you know, a good, you know, 20, 30 yeah. percent better than before. But Ice Lake getting 19 percent more IPC and 30 percent more cores that gains on AMD slightly. And yeah. now they can at least compete with 32 cores again. Well, at all. They never could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's good enough for a lot of use cases. So Intel will still be able to <laughs> to just barely scrape by with. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but we'll see. Maybe not. 
And then, of course, there was talk about Willow Cove. I, honestly, uh, every the keynote from Raja was like a waste. I, I honestly, everything else from Intel was like either stuff we already know or stuff they've literally already talked about. Their question and answer sessions, a lot of them were like, we're going to talk about that September 2nd. And it's like, wasn't that the point of this entire presentation is to answer questions about the architecture? So I got to say, you know, besides the Ice Lake server discussion, there was like nothing from Intel, despite how many presentations they had. That's my opinion, is that just all this stalling for time. And no mention, no mention of Cypress Cove or Rocket Lake which someone, Carbon Cry, pointed out to me. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And as far as a couple people I talked to know, it's not canceled or anything. So I'm forced to assume they're just so embarrassed by how bad it's going to be. Because apparently it's going to have the same cache, a more similar cache system to Sunny Cove than Willow Cove. So Mm -hmm. at this point, it's like, yeah, it's probably like 10% more IPC, not 20 compared to Comet Lake. And it's going to use more energy. It's it's probably going to be like slightly better than Comet Lake overall. You mean use more energy than Comet Lake? That's no, but it has two okay. less cores. I think it's going to be like roughly same multi-core, better single core performance and a better, and now it has PCIe 4.0. But I suspect if anything, same power usage roughly, we can hope for it to be slightly less. But again, it has two less cores. I, I, I think they're not talking about it because they're like, <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really not good. Uh, like for a while, it seemed like we were talking about like rocket, like might be uh have some niche. saving grace for a little bit until all their, like, for some gamers. Up. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It might, it might not be until all, we get all their, like that Intel can really swing back at all. Let the record show that a lot of people have been saying, I think rocket Lake might be really good. And I've consistently said, no, I think at best it's as good as Zen 3 at gaming while using more energy. And I've consistently said, <laughs> I don't think there's that much of an argument. Wait for Rocket Lake. I think it's just Zen 3. Now, could prices come down a bit if Rocket Lake overperforms slightly and like bring some competition? Maybe, but I, Zen 3 is the one, guys. Yeah. I'll, at least all evidence we have, right? Yeah. So the last thing to talk about with... um hot chips, which was the video I got out from Monday, really late Monday night, um, is my, uh, and I thought, you know, I, like I'm looking at it here, I thought it was pretty funny. AMD can't hide RDNA 2 forever, you know, and it's, you know, an RDNA 2 card hiding behind an Xbox Series X saying, don't mind me. It's like, <laughs> I just, I want to point out how absurd this is getting that we don't know everything about RDNA 2. It's to the point that we're starting to get details about how the dual compute units and ray tracing work in an AMD-like presentation, but it's from Xbox. Like, the PlayStation's been in production for two months. AMD is clearly hiding something here for a reason. I made the joke on my Discord that Lisa Sue had a Luger pointed at the Xbox guy uh, just off camera because there were several questions they asked about where he's like, I I can't speak to that part of the architecture. (laughs) What I liked in their... um in their little in their slides one of them was how do we do this patented enhancements or something like that. yeah like they literally can't talk about it but i do want to talk about some of these patented enhancements because (laughs) like the argument i make pretty forcefully and i was expecting to get more flack for it but i think i think not to toot my own horn i laid out the argument pretty clearly it's like okay guys can we stop pretending rdna2 is going to be if RDNA 2 is a letdown on desktop, which I want to be clear, some people 
as me and you have talked about before, Dan, are hyping it up like it's absurd. Like I, I don't think it's going to be triple 5,700 XT performance. And I've seen people suggest that. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I am saying that I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, no, it, based on available info from Sony and Microsoft, which is freaking all we have still, basically, like, this should crush a 2080 Ti, the full version. Like, it should. And if yeah. it doesn't, then you and you're like, oh, it'll be lucky to beat the 2080 Ti by like 10 or 15% or something. Like, then you need to just openly say that you think either Sony and Microsoft are lying or that they are substantially better at designing these graphics cards than AMD themselves is with their own IP, which, again, may be partially true, but I, I, I'm, the evidence is insane. Like, they, like, again, they're literally talking about there was some evidence that the IPC increase is at least 20% uh, based on a few slides in there. There was variable rate shading, 10 to 30% boost versus not having it. So okay, maybe we just include that in the IPC still though, but it's like, there's no way around it. At the same core counts and clocks, RDNA 2 looks to be 20% better and it looks to clock faster. The Xbox uh, Series X apparently uses the same energy as last-gen consoles. We always assumed it would use more, but no, it seems like at most it's the same power consumption as a 5700 while also powering eight cores well at the same clocks and having 40 percent more compute units than a 5700 <laughs> like 42 44 percent i think you know 52 divided by 36 like like what what what's the argument so we have something that is at least 30 percent better than a 5700 while using the same power and we know they're bringing bigger dies or they should unless they cancel them again i don't know like, there's no way around this. Either this is way stronger than what's out now at the top end, or something's crazy wrong, or they're lying. Like, I don't know how that's not true. Yeah, or for some reason, a substantial number of features that are in RDNA 3 made it into the consoles, and they're just not going to be in RDNA 2, which I think there's clearly some There's stuff some like of them, that. sure. Yeah. But I don't think it's... Everything that's in the Xbox Series X is a patented innovation. Yeah, Yeah. I know. And I mean, though, like, and and I did make a last minute adjustment. It was going to come out at like 10 or 10.30 p.m. But I was like, you know what? I need to amend this. You know, my Discord people guessed what it was. It was having to do with ray tracing. I thought it would be a bridge too far to try to directly say what the ray tracing performance is. And I do think Mm -hmm. that that's why I adjusted it at the last minute. I still don't think we can say for sure. But at the very least, we have them now saying similar things to what we heard about Turing, except more impressive. Turing was like two to three times ray tracing acceleration, you know, to a similar sized card or something between Turing and Pascal. Now we have AMD saying three to 10 times. And that it basically uses its TMUs and to do a mix of like um, ray tracing and texture streaming at the same time. So it's up for debate how, you know, because there's a lot of room for concurrency and how RDNA handles these things. But so we don't know how much of a rasterization performance loss there is, right? If you're mm-hmm. using ray tracing on these compute units, we don't know if perhaps for some of the cards, they may even just literally use some of the CUs for only ray tracing, which is a rumor I've heard uh, about the PlayStation 5 that it might be able to do that. But I mean, at the very least, it looks like top RDNA 2 should double the 
Titan or TX's ray tracing performance, or it should be at least 40% better. Let me say that. Don't quote me doubling it. But if it doesn't, then I don't know, three times ray tracing performance. And right, you know, I don't, right, I feel like I'm going crazy here. Like, uh, like there's no way around it. We don't know how good it is versus Ampere, but it's clearly going to blow Turing out of the water. And I think by more than some people are saying. And if not, there's something wrong. Like, there's something wrong. I mean, yeah, I don't know how. I, I really don't know how it couldn't at this point. Like, it, once again, the, the the Xbox Series X has uh, 52 compute units, and that's probably cut down from something. Like, no, it's cut down from 56. That's official. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, that die has to exist somewhere or something analogous to that. Like, well, I, I, I don't know. If, if they can't beat a 2080 Ti by 15%, that's frankly shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And that's why I want to say, I'm not saying that I'm 100% sure of these things because still, the (laughs) AMD is so, so clamped down on leaks right now. But I am saying that I feel like I'm going crazy when I look at these numbers and I see people saying like, it'll struggle to beat a 2080 Ti. I'm like, how? Unless they're (laughs) lying. Like, no, no. The numbers don't add up to make that argument. It, it, It should be surprising if it doesn't destroy the 2080 Ti, and even destroy the Titan RTX. If it yeah. doesn't, and, and again, that's the argument I make in my video, is like, let's just look at like Navi 22, which I know from a source is being validated next to Navi 21. I know it is. And we know from previous leaks that it should have a die size somewhere, you know, between 300 and 350 millimeters squared. Uh, you know, we'll see what it actually ends up being. But again, that's about the die size of mature nodes, mid-range cards. So this is something, as I pointed out, if you look at the 2070s price, if you look at the $230 380X, remember when mid-range cards were that much, Dan? Mm-hmm. Like, though, I know Dan just shook his head like it's ridiculous. I know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how you put it. A 56 compute unit, the full dive, what's in the Xbox, should be something around three, you know, like I said, three to 100 to 350 millimeters squared. We know the PlayStation can clock up to 2.2 gigahertz. I've heard quotes that RDNA 2 can clock 15% faster. So again, I think the Xbox is below the efficiency curve, actually. I, like That's incredibly <laughs> impressive efficiency, right? And, I, I, and so with that in mind, it's like, okay, so we know from presentations that the Xbox Series X is doing around 2080 super performance, at least. Okay, so now add 10% more CUs for the full die clock it 15% faster and then add, I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah. And, and, and I know that I know for sure AMD is using GDR six X as well. I mean, yeah. Using 19 gigabit per second memory over a two fifty six bit bus is 2080 Ti bandwidth. I I'm just saying, I think even Navi 22 could be next to a 2080 Ti. And then, and that's what I say in the video. And then we know an 80 CU version would be 40, like 7% bigger than this, and it's already a 2080 Ti. I'm just saying, I, I stand by it. If you say the 2080 Ti is 50% better than a 5700 XT, which I would say it's actually below that in practice, but let's just say that is. Two divided by 1.5 is 1.33. That's kind of where I expect an ADCU, top-end Navi, especially if they really push it to get to at least that. And I, I just... That's to me what the numbers suggest. And it's getting to the point where it's becoming painfully obvious from Xbox and Sony because AMD won't say anything. <laughs> there, that's my, yeah. my rant. I just, I just want to be clear. It's like, 
I, I, you know, if I'm wrong, I, I got a lot of upvotes for this really quote unquote AM delusional video because it's hard to argue with the numbers. Like the numbers suggest this. So something's wrong if it can't do it. Yeah. I, I, or if it can't, if it doesn't get to at least that, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Or the top die is canceled or it's cut down severely from what from but i know they're validating it right now so it'd be like a suggestion that they're not bringing it to gamers if they think they have any shot of beating a 3080 i'm pretty sure lisa wants to get that out there yeah (laughs) yeah i guess the last thing i will say is this is i was told again by a source that i really 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 trust guys it's a name you would recognize that says to me seriously don't trust vague perform exact but nothing backing them up performance numbers coming out before ampere comes out that so like when you see for instance cat corgi tweet 30 80 20 better and then there's a whole article written about it if you see something about that with rdna2 just be skeptical i mean mm. i'm sure some people might have a source that's right so I, I can't say ignore everybody that's not what i'm saying i'm just I've been told AMD like cleaned house with their marketing team, which was the people who leaked it before. They intentionally cleaned house further this year so that they can be sure that the old sources people used to have don't know anything right before this launch. Like AMD is intentionally obfuscating things right now. I've heard some pretty ridiculous rumors actually about things they're doing to (laughs) like muddy the waters, but (laughs) I'll just leave that as like rampant rumors. I'm not going to say them. You know, I really think. And AMD is going to be super quiet until Ampere's out and they know what they're dealing with completely. And at the end of the day, I don't think I don't think these things will be done being completely validated for at least another month. So I don't think AMD even can launch something or even paper launch for like two months. So they don't even know the final specs yet. So be very skeptical of like firm estimates right now, which is why you see me dance around between 30%, 40%, 50%, 25%. It's like, I just think it's it's a lot stronger than a 2080 Ti, guys. That's all I can say. Yeah, and more than I, I, I think it's it's not really worth talking about anymore until AMD says something, which hopefully they say something within a month. But I don't know when you think they will. But well, and and, and I said in the video too that I believe something's going to be revealed on the twenty first, which is in a few days, mm-hmm. and that as well we know there's a big thing on the thirty first, which I think could just be the entire full launch. Although I've heard availability of some cards maybe sketchy till October. You know, I think AMD will be ready with enough info from NVIDIA to start revealing things um, in about a month anyways. And that's probably when they'll have final idea of what their performance is, too. Yeah. All right. Enough talking about that. But all of that, I think, needed to be said. Uh, Jory writes in and he says, if you had to choose 4950X, so he's talking about the 16-core Zen 3, which we'll talk about later why that might not even be the name. Uh, But... Uh, or Threadripper 3960X, so the 24-core Threadripper. Uh, I would say definitely 4950X. Um, my 3950X 16-core, I'm sure 16-core is enough to have a little bit of overkill for me, but it gets used every day. It's not constantly used. I could definitely make do with th- a 3900X, but I do enjoy the complete unbottlenecking when I'm working on something creatively. So... I'm sure of 16 cores. So if you were going to say, do you want to reduce latency and increase IPC by 20% or do you want 50% more cores? I'm like, oh, just give me the higher single core like for my yeah, workloads. I, I, I don't need 24. I'm telling you I'd waste a 24 core. I, I, yeah, I don't even know what you would need those extra eight cores for. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure some people do, but you don't. 
Yeah, not me. No, and I, and I was considering it until I saw their prices, and I'm like, well, three nine fifty x it is, <laughs> especially with like the freaking six hundred dollar motherboards. Deco writes in and he says, "Are you planning on upgrading your three nine fifty x to a four nine fifty x if twenty percent IPC gains are achieved? Well, they're going to be Deco, uh, but uh, no, no, not really. You know, it's like if you sent me one for free, I would sell my old one and keep it probably, but mm. I don't need it. My three nine fifty x maxes out all my games at 120 hertz and can do things in the background at the same time. So I don't feel the need to like put my desk to spend a day installing something even. I could have made a video for my channel in that time. And, you know, we'll see. I wouldn't rule it out, you know, of course, who knows. But uh, no, I I, I think I'm pretty happy with what I got. What about about you, Dan? You've got 2700X that you got for... I still think it's insane you got that for like 130, 150. (sighs) Uh, I don't think I'm going to be buying a 4950X. <laughs> yeah. You think you won't fully utilize it? <laughs> no, I don't think I'll fully utilize it. Maybe and, if it's cheap enough, I would get like one of the 12 cores that either, I mean, a Zen 3 12 core, maybe the 30. You mean like late it, next year? So you don't yeah, need to switch it, motherboards? Yeah. Or if, or if the 3900 dropped low enough, maybe I would just get that. Yeah. Well, let's get into story number two. Ryzen 9 4950X Vermeer with high boost clocks and new features. And so I'm quoting here, Igor reported that he has spotted the Zen 3-based Ryzen Vermeer desktop processor, which he believes to be the flagship Ryzen 9 4950X. The engineering sample spotted today was running at speeds of up to 4.8 gigahertz, but the latest sample features even higher base and boost clocks, which are just a 100 megahertz short of the 5 gigahertz mark. The CPU has a base clock, of 3.7 gigahertz and boost clock of 4.9. Another variance was also spotted, though, with 3.6 base and 4.6 boost. Yeah, I think we're going to finally see in reasonable desktops, 5 gigahertz boosting with PBO Zen 3. Although don't assume you can overclock all cores that high. Probably not, guys. But we may finally have hashtag 5 gigahertz Zen. Which, I mean, thank God we finally reached that arbitrary number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, what do you think about, do you, I mean, do you have much to say about, like, more confirmation? I mean, I think we knew it was going to clock faster than Zen 2. I mean, things always clock faster than the previous gen. I mean, and yeah, higher clock speeds are always good. I don't have too much more to say other than that, though. I mean, this is an engineering sample, probably pretty close to what will come out, though, right? So... I mean, I don't know, maybe it'll boost to five, maybe even 5.1 gigahertz. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting they have two samples. Now, again, it could just be because literally there's two different samples, but it could also be that, and I've wondered this too, like if they can finally hit five gigahertz and it boosts there reasonably often, less of a split second thing like Zen 2, I wonder if what they would do is, again, and it it does sound like they're just going to kind of use the previous naming scheme, but I keep saying if I was AMD, I would bump up core counts per segment, but increase pricing per segment. So instead, if it was up to me, right, uh, what I would do is I would name the 4600X, right? I would give it the eight cores and priced it $300. Mm-hmm. And everyone would go, oh, now the eight cores cheaper. But really, we just sneakingly upped the 4600 to 300 bucks. Make the 4500, make the 4600 250, make the 4500X like, you know, 190. 
or 200, a flat 200, and also make it an eight core or something, and then make the 40, you know, and then so yeah. on and so forth down the family. Maybe the 4500X, just like an APU, which we'll get into why it's probably not even going to be called any of this, anyways. And then what I would do is I would make the 4900X a 16 core, but charge 600 again. So people are like, ooh, look at that. It's now che- cheaper, but you're preparing to raise prices that little bit more with Zen 4 and getting people used to a $600 900X. And then, you know, make a 5 gigahertz $800 16 core, like limited edition. That's what I would do if I was AMD. Um, and so that's what I wonder when I see two different 16 core IDs being ch- uh, tested. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess my immediate assumption is me being an armchair general CEO, just random, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess my assumption kind of was that they're just two differently clocking <laughs> engineering samples, but that that's probably assumption. what it is. Well, yeah, but the, the, man, the point of broken silicon and Moore's law is dead is to spend hours talking about one piece of information. Cause we like talking about it so much. That's that. That's, that's true. <laughs> so, you know what, Dan? Fuck me. Don't, yeah. Don't be a dick. All right. I don't appreciate it. Uh, we do have more to talk about, though, when it comes to Ryzen uh, Zen 3. So Tragaholic writes in and he goes, there's been a fair bit of speculation regarding future Ryzen naming schemes, skipping 4000 series and jumping all the way to the 6000. I actually heard 5000, but I think 6000 makes more sense, Tragaholic. Because if there is a new naming uh, scheme, how much will be motivated by AMD wanting to make the naming scheme of Ryzen and Radeon the same number? I recall they wanted to do that with Zen 2 and RDNA 1, only to have NVIDIA claim this 3000 series, and if I recall, 4000 series names. Uh, and I edited it this time for less commas, Tom. So you're happy. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the reduction in comma count, uh, Trigaholic. Um, yeah, you know, wh- what I'll say... Uh, yeah, so I think, and this is my memory, maybe I misremembered and it was always, it could be 5,000 or 6,000, but I remember there was like a chip hell leak like last week or something where they were like, oh, it might be called the 5,000 series. And they made leave Renoir to 4,000 naming scheme for like a mobile lineup. And I was like, why wouldn't they just, because like, there's no way they're just going to call it the 5950X for the uh, graphics card, they're definitely going to 6,000 for Radeon. It's been too long. They got to name it a new series. So if they're going to do that, why wouldn't they just name... I mean, I mean, if you're going to do this ridiculous AMD thing of like random naming schemes and skipping around all the time, I think just call it 6,000 so you can market, especially if you think you're going to compete with Ampere in the top end. You know, you, you, you got to bring that marketing and brand next to each mm-hmm. other. Like, Don't you agree it would make more sense to just go to 6,000? I mean, I'm I'm still in the camp where I think that might just make marketing confusing. So what your products <laughs> literally have the same fucking name. That might be confusing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of in the camp where I think that's a bad idea. Like I think that just confuses people. Yeah, it might just confuse people. But again, isn't it already kind of confusing to some people that you, I mean we're gonna that's get to true. I mean we're it doesn't matter if it's named four thousand. I guess it's technically not five thousand and there hasn't been a four thousand radeon card yet unless you're talking about the 4870 i guess right but yeah. yeah i don't know i mean i guess what i'll say though too is i actually think there's some sense to skip the 4000 series because this is something i've been wondering so now here's what we know of i know there's a saison that supposedly is vega plus zen 3 and meant to be an even smaller renoir you know meant for pairing with a discrete graphics card then we also know there's this like van gogh that's meant for low power premium laptops, I believe. 
Then we also know there's an, an APU that they might use in both Surface and Xbox. And then now I'm hearing about this quote-unquote big Renoir, which, as far as I can tell, is not either of those. I've actually received rumors that it's RDNA 1. I haven't had time mm. to do that they might have like beefed up Renoir with PCIe 4.0, which is a big thing because they've been... A lot of people have asked, why can't I get an RTX 2070 with Renoir in a laptop? And it's like, well, it has only eight PCIe lanes of 3.0 guys. So above a 2060, it's not enough. And so that they're going to make a bigger Renoir to both add PCIe 4.0, add 16 lanes so that you can pair it with Quadro, mobile Quadro graphics cards. And also support for 128 gigabytes of RAM, which there are mobile Xeons that have that, and AMD is missing that. When they have such a powerful, you know, core count, why would they yeah. not have, you know? So I think bigger Renoir actually fills a lot of niches and makes sense. But then, like, what are they going to name it? Like the 4755G? So, like, so I almost wonder if they need to make 4000 series and even 5000 series APU only because they're out of names. <laughs> I mean, that almost to me suggests that they should, maybe they need to break off their naming schemes with their APUs and their uh, uh, CPUs if they can't make them neatly fit into one product stack. Because then what do every generation then do they jump up by two? So <laughs> they have the four. So, so here's my argument, and I am totally armchair CEOing <laughs> all day today. My argument is this they will call. <laughs> Rembrandt, which I believe is Zen 3 and RDNA 3, mid-next year, the 6000 series APU and the lineup below desktop Zen 3, they would call Saison and Van Gogh 5000 series because they're a mix of older architectures. Think about it, right? If Saison is still Zen 3, is Zen 3 but still Vega, is it really fair to call it the 6000 series? Maybe they just put that and Van Gogh in 5000 because it has newer architectures than Renoir's 4000. There, Dan, that's my argument. Am I seeing too many patterns on the wall? I do this, Dan. There's a problem when you're good at connecting the dots and you just see patterns that aren't really there. Uh, I'm just saying from a marketing perspective that just, just like completely nuke their, their product lines there. It's just like, so wait, what? So their 5000 series is... Is Cezanne and Van Gogh, 4,000 is all Renoirs, and 6,000 is Zen 3, and then, yeah. Okay. What do you think? Am I, am I, Dan, am I a fucking moron? I'm just, I think. think (laughs) You said, you almost said, I think you are. I think. (laughs) I could, you almost said, yeah, I think you are a moron, Tom. I think you're being too cute with the naming at a certain point. (laughs) <laughs> I think I probably am too, but I just, I thought it was fun to make this argument. Like, honestly, I, I don't know, <laughs> I, but I think, I think there's an argument there. And I will say this about bigger Renoir, AMD basically said in an earnings call, a, they, the quote, I think literally was a version of Renoir will come to desktop, but these are OEM only. And with okay. Renoir being limited to PCIe 3.0 times eight, if bigger Renoir has the full 4.0 PCIe lanes, they're waiting to bring that to desktop with Zen 3 so it matches it better, too. Oh, that makes sense, I suppose. And again, Dan, so there's my argument. They go to <laughs> they go to 5,000, I guess, with bigger Renoir and all of that, and then last-gen stuff they can throw in the older series. I could be wrong, though. But I, I think mean, it makes I some guess. sense. I think it makes some sense. 
And I think I do agree that maybe they should just go with 5,000 for Big Renoir and Zen 3 desktop because it would be confusing if you're like, I'm buying a 6950X. Oh, okay. Is that a graphics card or a CPU? Yeah, and then when you go, then you look it up on Newegg, uh, you come up with both GPUs and CPUs, and then a new buyer is scared that they're going to accidentally buy two CPUs or something because new buyers are stupid. Well, we're doing full armchair CEO, and here's another thing I thought of, Dan. So, <laughs> so there's rumors they're going to refresh Navi 10 for the low end, like right, like the 6500X. T could just be an underclock 5700 that needs a six pin, which they've done a million times before. Um, so what if that's though called the 5750X and the rebranded ones are kept in the 5000 series so that no one thinks it has ray tracing? Um, I mean, I think that might work just because I don't, I, I do. Because I, I know of a Navi 23 and 24, by the way, I've heard there's a 32 CU, not RDNA too. So maybe that's actually, by the way, like the 6600 XT or something. So uh, yeah, and, and that makes sense to me why like NVIDIA sectioned off their, their non- 1600 uh, series. Yeah. Yeah. They had their 1600 series and they didn't just go with straight uh 20 series all the way down the line because that would have been confusing to a lot of people like wait so ray tracing stops here then right yeah and you just got to make sure that you don't accidentally buy a non-ray tracing card i put down a note for this timestamp rampant speculation warning (laughs) anyway so the last thing i put on here i didn't give it its own story because i don't care is a520 motherboards announced they only have pcie 3.0 though so again I mean, they have USB 3.2 Gen 2. It's better than some previous Gen low-end motherboards, but I don't know. Do you have anything to add about A520 motherboards? No, no, no. I mean, there's this all this hype that they're below $100, but I'm like, yeah, you got X570 for like 140 bucks. Is it really that big a deal to spend $40 to have the support of all high-end CPUs and overclocking for the next few years? I don't know. I it mean, doesn't... That- you know, there's that, there's that section of the market where, yeah, there's a reason to fill it. And that's all I there is. Say. I'm not saying there's not. It's just I'm not that impressed. They managed to make a motherboard below one hundred dollars with PCIe 3.0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good job, AMD. Uh, Snails writes in and he says, how much better does Zen 3 have to be than Intel at gaming for the totally unbiased experts to consider it the superior option? Basically, do you ex- here's my question. Do you expect Intel and their fanboys to show any modicum of grace if they are fully outclassed across the stack? Are they going to ever or get ever more shitty and backhanded? And also, will reviewers finally switch to AMD? So I want to say this right away. I don't know what the Intel fanboys are going to do, right? <laughs> for I mean, for yeah, defending that's... this. Yeah, that's fan. That's what being a fanboy is, as you defend them without any sense to it. Yeah. What I want to say then is, I saw Hardware Unboxed do a poll already. Ampere and RDNA 2 will have, of course, RDNA 2 will have PCIe 4.0 support. And so Hardware, you know, Steve was openly asking in a poll, uh, do you want us to switch to the 3950X or just use Comet Lake? And it was like three-fourths of people said use the 3950X. So I can see already a lot of benchmarking houses are... Because again, it's like a 3% difference, you know, between memory-tuned 3950X and you know, yeah. maybe 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 with Comet Lake, not... I guess, yeah, maybe with Comet Lake because it's not coffee-like anymore yet. Maybe Comet Lake is like 5 to 10% better in edge cases in 1080p, but 
I, I think they're already going to start switching to it for these new graphics cards. And I think Zen 3 is going to be the benchmarking standard if it is 20% better, and, it, and it's going to be. So I think that's that. You know, Rocket Lake will have PCIe 4.0, but it's coming out after. And I think people have already built their Zen 3 benchmarking stations. And again, as for the fanboys, I have no idea what they're going to do to justify anything. Yeah, I mean, if Zen 3 beats, if Zen 3 beats uh, Rocket Lake to the market by a substantial margin, uh, Zen 3 is probably going to be better at gaming than Comet Lake. So then, yeah, there's no reason that you wouldn't test things on Zen 3 instead of Comet Lake. I don't know. And if Rocket Lake might turn out to be a disappointment, given that Intel doesn't seem to want to talk about it anymore. So, yeah, Zen, Zen 3 is probably when it will happen, I think, almost regardless. Yeah. Story number three, core boot code hints at Intel Alder Lake core configurations. And I quote from Tech Power Up, segmentation between the various brand extensions appears to be primarily determined by the number of big cores for Alder Lake. The topmost SKU has all eight big cores and all eight small cores enabled, along with GT1, lower tier of iGPU graphics, possibly to free up power headroom for those many cores. Uh, the slightly lower SKU has eight big cores, six small cores in GT1 graphics. Next up, eight big cores, four small cores in GT1, and then eight plus two. Lastly, there's an eight plus one also. The brand extension is based around six big cores. So I think they're saying if you were to switch maybe from like i9s and i7s being led by like a six big core plus eight small core and progressively lower numbers and their various iGPU tiers, the lower brand extensions of Alder Lake the low, so like i3s, right, are based around four big cores with similar segmentations for the small cores that we described above. And the entry-level parts, there seem to be some with two big cores and eight small cores for Alder Lake. And this is interesting because, you know, I've had Golden Cove and Alder Lake information since October where I knew they were going above eight cores. I've known since the beginning of this year they're going to have a big little design. But what was interesting is all the samples I saw, there was an eight plus eight, you know, eight big, eight littles. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any that was different combinations uh, until now. And at least this confirms they're planning to have all types of, or at least they're considering all types of different stuff. Yeah, I will say this. I haven't done all of the permutations, obviously, because it's not <laughs> worth doing the time. But it's like this is this list is pretty much ev is like every reasonable permutation you could think of. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, if they actually do release a product that's like four little big cores, eight little cores, that's pretty cool that they're doing that. And they're not just reserving the little cores for like the top end architect of the architecture. That's interesting. But um, well, I think it's I, also I'm cost effective, right? For Lakefield, you can make one high IPC isolate core in the same amount of space for four atom cores. So assuming a similar ratio, keep in mind what that means, right? So if they have two plus eight, that would be the equivalent amount of space then of like a quad core. So I would rather yeah, have two true. plus eight. I would rather have two plus eight, assuming it works, which they have one year to fix the scheduling issues that popped up with Lakefield. Although I've heard it's getting better already. That is the point of Lakefield. Yeah, it's a kind of beta architecture, I guess. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I will say that I don't think I'd want a big little design with only one big core ever, and I would hesitate to get one with two. I would want four because the way boosting algorithms work is there is this jumping between big cores to not overheat one of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a big problem with Lakefield is just, well, you're overloading one big core with all the heat. And so you probably want a quad core plus eight, ideally. And if you get a quad core plus eight, I think it could be pretty good at gaming, actually. Yeah. 
And actually, I do have a question. I, I maybe I'm uh, misremembering something. Would would all of the big cores or those assume that they would all have hyper threading, or could there be a? Four I don't core, think that no hyper threading. I guess I don't know, right? But I, uh, but I don't think they do. I think it's okay. just and 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 we don't know what they're going to do with hyper threading with the big cores. I assume, right? I guess I've been assuming the right Golden yeah. Cove is eight. 16, eight threads, 16, eight cores, 16 threads. And then it also has eight little cores. But you would almost wonder if, if you're really designing Golden Cove around this concept of big little, you would almost wonder if you would just save die space and not put hyper threading. I'm not sure. Or even just yeah. put hyper threading on the little cores so that they handle a bunch of weak tasks. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I haven't thought of that either. Maybe there's some other weird... Uh, system that it could use by having hyper threading on the little cores uh but you know i just thought i would ask that because i mean even if like assuming my assumption that the big cores have hyper threading like four cores uh four big eight little that's still 16 threads i mean it's not 16 big core threads but it's still 16 threads so i don't know i think there's a lot of interesting stuff they could be doing and i'm glad they're not just reserving the little core big core uh architecture for like the top end because I was a little worried that that's what they might be doing for a while. Which would also suggest if they're not, if the, like to me, actually, what that would suggest too, if they're only doing like a few top end versions of it, is they don't have a lot of faith in it to put it in their entire lineup. Yeah, that's true. But so, yeah. And, and another thing that excites me about this is I really do wonder if like there could be an HEDT chip that's again, like eight big cores. And again, if you can, and then you just like throw 64 little cores behind it or more because <laughs> they take up so little space. Assuming, but you'd, you'd want all the instructions. So that is a thing some of the Atom architectures don't have. But like, I think for some workloads, that could be crazy good. I mean, like, yeah, you have I an eight core for gaming and then you got all these background ones. Yeah. All right. Story number four. Intel's 11th gen Tiger Lake SOC detailed Superfin, Willow Cove, and ZLP. So let me see. I quote here from Anantech, and this is from their, you know, unveiling uh, a week ago. The event was headlined by an evervescent Raja Kadori. It's a very good way to describe Raja Kadori. Evervescent. Always around. Always there if you turn a camera on. Who took the role of covering roadmaps and some of the Z structural details. Prominent Intel fellows and engineers were the stars of the show in my eyes, though particularly Ruth Brain and Transistors, Ramon Najasetti for packaging, and Boyd Phelps for Tiger Lake, David Blythe, Z, Lisa Pierce, and so on and so forth. And they went through Tiger Lake and Z's strategy. So to be honest, again, I don't think there's that much specific stuff to take away from this presentation, right? Like, I think the biggest thing is that they're calling 10 nanometer, I guess, plus, or the used to be called plus plus. Now that they, they were calling it plus the Tiger Lake 10 nanometer, they're calling it super fin. And I know people will make fun of that because of how botched their fins have been so far. But you know what? Like the reason they're doing this, and I was told this is, they realize plus 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 has become a meme and that they think it's a bad look to keep calling things plus plus plus, especially when they haven't had a good 10 nanometer yield rate yet that they're just changing the name entirely per note. So they're just, they're just calling it 10 nanometer super fin. I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess. Which yeah, I guess sounds better than plus because everyone makes fun of it. It's gotten since they are pretending one of their 10 nanometers didn't exist. <laughs> I guess kind of just 
wiping the slate. Well, so I said that to, to one of my sources too. I was like, honestly, I don't know why they even called Canon like 10 nanometer and then Ice Lake Plus. Ice Lake was the first real 10 nanometer product lineup. Like the fact that they yeah. they should have called Canon like 10 nanometer minus, which is apparently what Ian Cutras calls it in his articles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, because it's like, well, if you're going to pretend Canon Lake never exists and you're going to call Ice Lake 10 nanometer, then I'm going to call the one before it 10 nanometer minus because it didn't work. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Potatoes are life rights in. And he says, do you think we will see 10 nanometer super ultra mega fin next year? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what the heck they're going to call it, but their Tiger Lake is on super fin and then Golden Cove and Sapphire Rapids are on a note above that, that I do actually expect to have above Broadwell yields, decent clock speeds, you know, maybe even close to Sky Lake yields by then. Of course, keep in mind, I'm not hyping up Intel guys that would still be competing with, I mean, five nanometer, maybe even some four nanometer TSMC. So it's not exactly a good picture for Intel, but yeah, no, they're, they're going to look guys. They're working on 10 nanometer. Murthy's done. He's been fired. He's done fucking it up and it should get decent yields with Tiger Lake. But again, like I keep saying about Intel, they're gonna have to prove it for me to fully hype anything. I, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the story with Intel late. I mean, for the past couple of years is just, Oh yeah, look at this thing that they are talking about might be good, and then it always turns out to not be. That's, that's yeah. I don't know. That's that's Intel. Intel and until, until they do they, anything well, which they will eventually. I am confident. Eventually, they will do uh, unfuck themselves, but it might be a while. <laughs> well, you know, at this point, I kind of think of it like you know, either Golden Cove is going to make the naysayers shut up that Intel can't compete anymore, or if Golden Cove is botched. I don't know. They are ever coming back. It's looking pretty bad. Everyone keeps saying, oh, they just need seven nanometer in 2023. Guys, it's three years from now. They need something before that. Okay. <laughs> My uh, God. I mean, it's if they don't get to seven nanometer before 2023, that's re- really bad. I mean, I don't know if that's the expectation at this point, but. Yeah. Potatoes Are Life also asks, I'll bet you $10 that Intel will not get volume seven nanometer before 2023. So here's the funny thing. I had to double check because I was like, were people expecting it? Like, because like I, I had to check, like Intel recently had their stock plunge a bit because they announced their delaying seven nanometer to 2022. And I was like, did anyone expect it before that? All of my sources have said they're like the best yeah. you're going to get is like limited production runs for, to save face of seven nanometer in December of 2021. So I didn't consider it a delay. Um, again, it's hard for me to remember what's public and what's not public information anymore at this point. But I will say this. Pretty sure Sapphire Rapids is, you know, 10 nanometer coming out end of next year. Golden Cove will come out a bit before it on 10 nanometer. I do expect its yields to be non bullshit like decent, like again, right? Not decent, not as good as Skylake, probably, but notable. Real yields. Actually buy it. (laughs) Well, you can buy Ice Lake, so it's hard for me to describe, like, you know what I mean, though? It's hard for me to, but like, but then again, Ice Lake is such a tiny die. It's like, I mean, real yields of things that aren't tiny. I do expect that end of next year. And um, I I don't know. Look, I think we're going to get Intel 7 nanometer products in 2022. I actually do, guys. Um, I can't say what would count as volume production. I'm tempted to take your bet, Potatoes. But, you know, hashtag Intel shill saying seven nanometer. No, no, no. 
I'm not saying it's going to be good. And I'm not saying it's going to be high volume early 2022. But I, I think end of 2022, they will have some seven nanometer products. So so do with that info however you want, right? I mean, yeah. And, and if they know. don't, I don't buy this. They're coming back. I, I don't know. TSMC might be like fucking three by then or 5P or something by that point. So yeah. Decal writes in, he says, after reviewing the August 6th Intel dump, does it contain any new information that colors any of your existing impressions on the state of Intel's technology? No, not really. I mean, and again, this is story number five. Someone just dumped, is from TechSpot, 20 gigabytes of internal Intel data. All I can say about this, Decal and everyone else listening, is I've been told it's bad. It's really bad. The engineers at Intel aren't preoccupying themselves with it. But basically, some people have told me you could pretty much just build a Xeon in China now if you wanted to. And that if you thought 14 nanometer security was a joke before, it's so done for. No one's buying, like, no one should buy these. They're so insecure now that this is out there. So that's really all you can say. I mean, yeah, don't, don't buy these. <laughs> that's about it. But it is bad for Intel. Again, the engineers don't seem to think it's the end of the world. And it doesn't really change my opinions at all. It's just, I don't know. I Not good looks. Yeah. Not usually good news for Intel. <laughs> it's never good when 20 gigabytes of your I mean, yeah. uh, intellectual property leaks. And I don't plan to cover it that much. Cajun Canuck writes in, a Cajun Canuck, a Canuck, it's Canadian, right? Yes. This is a Cajun-Canadian. Very interesting uh, blending of cultures, Mr. Canuck. Uh, with all of the RDNA 2 hype, is it possible that NVIDIA has seeded some of these rumors to pump up the hype, thinking that it can't possibly live up to it? Or is there actual confirmed details to back it up? Well, so I think, so there's two things to address there. Number one, I have, it, I have heard that NVIDIA's in the past seeded fake information. And it's actually, I was told by one person for reasons, the reason they might do it is if they think someone's leaking too much of their stuff and it's accurate, and then they start sending them convincing looking info about other things that are just completely made up so that they get some things wrong and hopefully people won't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard that's one thing NVIDIA has literally done in the past. And I do believe there's quite a lot of, as I've called it, corporate espionage going on between NVIDIA and AMD right now, like a lot. So that's there. Having said that, or when you say, is there actual confirmed details to back it up? I do want to just, before we get into the next stories, address none of my big leaks are a random email, guys. Like I talk to people on the phone. I've matched their voices if they're a public figure to them on other things before. And I will look at their proof of employment, the employment of the people they said they talked to, make sure these people, I mean, you know, just making sure these people exist, making sure I can prove they still work there and should have access to this stuff. And then for people that have been right before and I can trust asking them, I mean, you work at this company, can you verify he works there? You know, like, so that's the type of effort I go into, especially more and more as time goes on. I mean, this is not my first year having this YouTube channel. So I just want to be very clear about that. And, and I have seen people say that, you know, there were a, a certain Twitter person that was assuming that's where I got some IDs where it's like, no, I, I just literally know people working on RDNA too, dude. And then when I proved it to him, he was like, oh, I see. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't, I'm not just <laughs> spouting out random, like the only random things that I've gotten that I can think of, I've made fun of, like the RNA2 one and the Ampere one, especially yeah, which, that, I mean, especially that Ampere Titan one that I touched on for just a minute because of how preposterously fake it was. 
and I mean, I don't know. Could that be corporate? Could that be quote unquote corporate espionage? I don't know. It might I feel like in video, I'd put more effort into it than that, to be honest, if they <laughs> wanted to try just, to take me down. It might just be an overzealous fan, a bored person. I don't know. I think a lot more of that most of the time, you know? And so I, I, I do want to be clear about that. Like everything I talked about, you know, in my big, and this will be story number six, these are not, uh, and I saw some people saying that he just is, you know, putting together random email. No, none of these were for random emails. These were hour long conversations over multiple nights. That's why that no videos came out. That's why I released that one podcast a day early and then released nothing until Sunday <laughs> because that's all I was doing for 10 hours a day because I kept getting more and more and more interesting info, more and more and more verify verifications on the people I was talking to. And I was like, oh, this is all I'm doing this week. So I just want to be clear. I don't, I don't know where that perception comes from. You know, just because I flashed something from an email doesn't mean I'm just writing a video to get throwing a video together because I got it. I show that because I just think it's interesting to show some of the direct quotes. It makes it look more um, credible than you just saying, I got an email from this guy. Yeah, because that's always something annoying, too. It's like, how do you say it without it sounding stupid? Like, I'll be honest. Like, I understand it sounds, I have a source. I know how dumb that sounds. I know, but... I think it sounds better than someone going, a little bird told me, which I think Red Gaming Tech stopped doing that recently because it's like, <laughs> it sounds like you're making it up when you dress it up too much. Like, there's no little birds. There's no, it's just, you know, like, I don't know what else to say. I intentionally just say source and I intentionally don't directly qualify exactly how many sources there are most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes I'll say three said this, right? Mm -hmm. But that, and maybe I'll say this is one source that said this before, but then I won't double confirm something later. It's, it's, I don't want it to be easy to triangulate who told me something too. I mean, yeah, that's also important. And that's kind of just the thing where over time you have to build up credibility. Um, mm -hmm. and eventually they'll it, stop assuming, be, yeah. Yeah. Eventually it'll be people uh, stop assuming that you're just making stuff up. All I can say is it does annoy me when people just shows a slide and like highlights part of it. I'm like, did you read the field below it that explains what I mean? Or listen to the <laughs> video where I literally emphasize, no, I'm only saying this, you know, and, and, that, and that's one thing where people attack me. It's they've, they didn't even watch one minute of that video. So they have no clue what I was talking about. Yeah. And you can usually tell because their arguments make no sense. Um, all right, but let's get into it. I, I, I did want to answer that reader mail before. The story number six, my video, the next two years of graphics. I wasn't even sure what to call this at first, right? I said Navi 2X, RDNA 3, Ampere, Hopper, and Intel Z. I mean, this is my biggest video yet. Um, this was one uh, like Whispers of Golden Cove where I covered a bunch of different things coming at multiple different segments in the future. You know, I. I'll just summarize. I did put in italics what I talk about. Basically, if I were off the top of my head, the big things I think I confirmed was Ampere's coming sooner, not later. TSMC should be as per professional cards, but Samsung's for the rest. Ampere should win, but the margin will be smaller than it has been in years, many years now. It's hard to remember, Dan, that we still feel like AMD should win every gen and just because we got it at PC gaming when AMD yeah. won every other gen. But we have to admit that at this point, it's been a while since AMD has won in the graphics space. Um, I said AMD's been less leaky. I really emphasize that people need to be skeptical of AMD leaks for the next month, that there is some pretty hilarious 
hoop jumping <laughs> AMD's doing to confuse people. I said RDNA2's Navi 22, which we already talked about in detail, should be close to a 2080 Ti, and that GDR6X and HBM will be used with RDNA2. RDNA2's ray tracing and other software features should not be underestimated prematurely. Although, again, be skeptical of leaks. It's hard to say exactly how good they will be. All I know is that a lot of people seem sure it's great. And that Z has some impressive products coming on paper. They really do. But if you look at what limited info I already have on Hopper and RDNA3, I'm not that enthusiastic Z is going to be able to compete that well. And that RDNA3 and Hopper should be multi-die, which was going to be the mulligan Z had if we could get out on time. And another massive performance boost in geometry and other things. And uh, the, the stagnation is really over, guys. And the final thing was that Intel is just a clusterfuck right now, or at least it has <laughs> been recently. And I will say, I am pissed at myself for letting Microsoft Office change Murphy to Murphy and then reading Murphy for like how serious that slide was. <laughs> Saying a guy who used to be like a chief technical guy at Intel saying his name wrong. Oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, acknowledge that you... <laughs> I immediately did. I was like, then, yeah. well, the thing is, I never was paying attention to that guy, too. And like everyone I talked to like hates him. So like I didn't <laughs> think that highly of him anyways. I was like, all right, well, this is one guy. We don't need to watch that closely. Um, and you know, I, 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 yeah, I really wish I wouldn't have fucked up his name because I know that's something, but the funny thing is no one, no one brought it up in like a lot of circles. So it's clear most people, anyone (laughs) who was like, well, and anyone who's 30 minutes into a video that big for me probably can overlook that. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you saw those quotes, not good in Intel. No, 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 not at all. It's, I mean, what? It's kind of a three-way power grab a little bit between. Uh, well, Keller's gone. You know, yeah. Keller left, and I think he. I think it was mostly a power grab for Murthy against Raja Kadori, but Raja Kadori legitimately does want to be CEO. But and Murthy just went through insane. And it, this it sounds to me like the second Murthy got a hint that Raja wanted to be CEO, he tried to destroy him. And then he also thought maybe Keller did, so he tried to destroy Keller. Keller left. I think honestly, he's not lying. He just wants to spend time with his family. He doesn't have time for this bullshit. <laughs> and that Raja's willing to stick it out. That's and then Murthy got fired because he fucked up everything. He fucked up ten nanometer, then seven, and then their modems business. And Swan fired the guy. And he probably, he, you know, it, that's what, and he caught, probably caught wind of all the crap Murphy was throwing towards other people that were in the quote unquote Raja faction. And he's like, this has got to stop. You're gone. So yeah, that's what and, I think um, went on. And uh, where, who was, uh, what position did Murphy hold? What, he's uh, basically like chief of all engineering at Intel. Okay. Just, uh, that wasn't completely. He used to work for me. Qualcomm and stuff, but people mentioned to me that you know Qualcomm doesn't have their own foundry, so kind of putting him in charge of this company's engineering work was maybe a huge mistake, despite oh. his background, which is a, I think a worthy point. Oh yeah, that is a good point. What else from this video did you want to talk about? There's the, I mean, I usually gravitate towards the Z stuff when with uh, new information, just because it's the newest stuff. It's like. It's the most, um, you're unsure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the least clear to me what it's going to be. So, because like RDNA two, I, I expect RDNA two. Yeah. is going to be somewhere between 30 to 50% stronger than like a 2080 TI and 
for the past few months, that seems like what it's going to be. But Intel Z, it's just this constant drama of will it ever <laughs> come out? Um, what's going on? Yeah. With it? And it's interesting with to me because it's like when you hear about any new Intel Z product, it sounds like it's potentially impressive. You know, one one twenty eight gigabyte HBM three Jupiter sound. Yeah, it's, it sounds it's, cool. It sounds impressive until you realize you have no clue when it's coming out. So it's like, oh, something that could rival the performance of a twenty eighty Ti. Too bad it can't come out until four years after the twenty eighty Ti comes <laughs> yeah. out or something. Yeah. So the Intel Z stuff uh, is I, I, immediately the most interesting to me. I think. Yeah, and I think you know most of the Ampere and RDNA two stuff was kind of more, and that, and I, and I said, well, once I realized I had a couple new mega sources, uh, well, more than two really, but oh, well, not more than two mega sources, more than two sort, you know, more than two sources, a couple mega sources. I was like, I'm not going to consult my previous Ampere and RDNA two stuff because this is a chance to just kind of check their info and see if it Mm -hmm. lines up. And it did, but I presented it as its own info, not trying to say all these other things in my other videos, because again, I only wanted to present, you know, it was a chance to check my work. And so I think, yeah, I think in many ways, RDNA two, and the Ampere info in there isn't as new as just kind of talking about, I think the RDNA 3 thing is though, like hearing that it has a focus on high performance, like geometry, VR, multi-die, that confirmation I was told that at the very least it's going to have an IO die, which again is a big deal, even if it's just, you know, guys, even if they just do monolithic dies, a few big ones and a few small ones, they could do some pretty interesting stuff. Like they could have a 384 bit IO die. Then let's say with RDNA 3, for instance, let's say they go to 96 compute units. So you have 96 compute units, just pair it with HBM 3. And then you cut it down to 80 compute units. And then you compare it with a 384 bit bus in the fastest GDR6X, way cheaper now. And it's maybe only 20% weaker at gaming, right? And you can sell that to gamers. And then maybe, maybe you have a 64 compute unit die in the very, very top ones. You also give that 384-bit bus and slower RAM and put that as a segment below it. There's a lot AMD can do with just having an IO die for the GPUs. Yeah, so even if they don't go entirely to like that modular tile system that Intel has are just something analogous to what they have on uh, they have on their CPUs right now, just being able to separate out the IO from the uh compute units itself might be enough to really add a lot of modularity to to be more creative and uh be more modular with the their graphics card approach and it's i don't know it kind of goes back to the hot chips everything is about infinity fabric and uh yeah uh, uh, about infinity fabric and combining uh different dyes well and think about what you can also do here so on desktop 300 watt card not a problem you mm-hmm. can just have like this 64 compute unit, 3D 4-bit one. Perfect. That can be an RDNA 3, probably be great at VR, uses 300 watts, no one gives a shit. But then maybe you take the cut down one. Maybe you take one specially for Apple where you're like, we're going to disable a lot of compute units. We're going to go from 64 to like 48, right? We're, we're going to disable, what is that, like 16 compute units. And we're going to do that because we're disabling the least efficient compute units all the way down to 48. And then instead of it having to have a 3D 4-bit bus, hey, we just pair it with like, you know, one stack of eight gigabytes of HBM3, 
now we went from a 300 watt graphics card for desktop that while using a lot of energy, we can sell for 600 bucks. Well, we cut it down and gave it a stack of HBM3 for a MacBook. Now we have something that's 30, you know, 70% of the performance while using a third of the energy. And we didn't need to waste dot making a new die and all of that. It cuts down on die design too. I mean, yeah. And I feel like that's been a thing we we've but that's been a through line on this channel for a while is talking about how the future uh, in a lot of ways is probably modularity and being able to like adapt what you have dynamically. And um, I don't know, this might be the start of like RDNA might three might be the start of that super modular approach that AMD Intel and NVIDIA are all probably going to have to embrace at some point. my new benchmarking station i did use a legitimate key of windows 10 professional and that's because it's just not expensive if you go to cdk offers they did sponsor me to say this but i use their website and it works well they have great customer support and if you use offer code broken silicon you'll get 25 percent off windows software and die shrink gets you three percent off all software on the website including game codes i will reiterate it was really easy for me to actually set up an account on this website search for windows buy the code using whatever payment method i wanted and they do have several options and then i simply got sent the authentic key and downloaded windows 10 from microsoft's website save yourself some money to get more bones for your dog and don't stress yourself out using illegitimate keys these are real keys and they did sponsor this part of the video so one more time that's cdkoffers.com use dieshring for three percent off all software on the website including steam games and broken silicon for 25 percent off software all right now let's get to the benchmark Yeah. So story number seven, Ampere lineup supposedly leaked on chip hell, massive VRAM sizes and turning pricing. So this was added at the last minute. And to be honest, you could almost argue this isn't really a new story, but I think it's pretty interesting. These are a a, a cast of characters that have been correct before, shall we say, in leaking on Chip Hell. And they point to potentially, I mean, we've already been talking about how, and I've already confirmed on Twitter that I have a source that has a 100% track record telling me the <laughs> 390X is 24 gigabyte. Now, it's interesting. He did tell me the 3080 was 10 gigabytes, actually. So I want to be clear. This conflicts with one of my best sources a little bit. However, and I have to keep saying this, NVIDIA can decide to give these cards as much VRAM over whatever bus they want at the last minute at whatever price they want. These are things they can literally decide during the presentation and just change it quick, you know? Yeah. So that's what I will say. But I like this leak as a chance to talk about it. So the reason they would do this, and just to be clear what it shows, basically the rumor is, 
3090 with 24 gigabytes, $800 3080, 20 gigabyte, and then like a 16 gigabyte 3070 Ti, and then like uh, even, and basically it alleges even the 3060 could have 12 gigabytes for like 400 bucks or whatever. And, you know, this is what I see as the nuclear option. This yeah. is what NVIDIA does if they're going all out. And what's that weird Titan? Still not entirely sure. It shows a, I think this almost can't be true, to be honest. A 48 gigabyte Titan? Like, I don't know, guys. And I was um, actually looking at this, like trying to look critically at these numbers. And to me, so the Titan looks like it might actually be like worse uh, yeah, gaming than the 3090 if this is So true. here's the argument I would make. What I've heard is that NVIDIA's lowering prices of Quadros in response mm. to anticipating AMD. There might not even be a Quadro 8000, just a 6000. That's GA102 on TSMC 7 nanometer, 48 gigabyte. What if the Titan costs more than the Quadro 5000? <laughs> what if it's a $3000 Titan or $3500 Titan and the Quadro 24 gigabytes just below it or something? I don't know. Oh, also, also, I, what you're pointing out, I'm guessing, is that the Titan says it has 17 gigabit per second memory instead of like the 21. And Micron mm. will have 23 coming out soon, by the way. Yeah. I, I Well, yeah. So, so it has it, lower memory bandwidth. It has a lower memory clock than the 3090. And again, this is where I think rampant speculation. If this leak is true, I think that has to mean only the seven nanometer version is like something like tensor memory compression. So it actually outperforms it. Oh, I guess that's true. Now I feel like I'm doing some mental backflips though. Yeah, I know because uh, the reason I'm saying that is so 20% higher bandwidth. And according to this leak, like, well, I'll just say a hundred more cores, but we're talking about 5,300 CUDA cores at this point. So a hundred CUDA cores isn't. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. It's it's basically tied. Uh, so I, I don't know. That comes out as weird to me. And then this massive jump in CUDA cores between the fifth, the thirty eighty and thirty ninety is also stands out. I, I think that might be true though, because I've been told they need to cut down eight nanometer for the thirty eighty a lot to mm. keep power usage under control. Basically, they're disabling all but the best SMs. Oh, okay, I see. And the 3090 is kind of just there to, I don't know, hold on to the performance crown, assuming the mm-hmm. a, and assuming RDNA 2 beats the 3080. Yeah, and again, the 3090 might be on TSMC 7 nanometer with mm-hmm. the Titan, and it's just barely cut down to hold the performance crown for 1400 bucks. Or again, there's been rumors up to 2000 The way I would take it is the 3090 sounds like it is just going to have well, it is. I've been told. The 3090 has 24 gigabytes. And I think its price range is between 1400 and 2000 depending on what AMD has. And, I, and again, any, you know, NVIDIA can decide at the last minute. Now, what would not surprise me is if they have a 20 gigabyte and 10 gigabyte version of the 3080, though. They have like 800 mm-hmm. and then like 1000 or something. Uh, yeah, actually, that wouldn't. That, I mean, they've done stuff like that before. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and one of the AMD reps, a source asked him, right, how much VRAM will this competitor to the Quadro have? And he said, we can't tell you capacity yet. 
because mm. we don't want NVIDIA to last minute beef up VRAM sizes. <laughs> so I'm just letting you guys know, you know, this rumor actually conflicts with one part of a thing I was told. I was told the 3090 is 24 gigabyte, but I was also told the 3080 is 10 gigabyte. Now they could also launch a 10 and 20 gigabyte version. Or honestly, what if NVIDIA just made the Founders Edition 20 gigabyte, but AIBs were 10? I mean, that's also always an option. I mean, that seems to be more of a trick out of AMD's handbook. But I, yeah, NVIDIA could also do that. So there's a lot of options. But I think, I think what I want to point out just with these leaks is this is the nuclear option. This is what NVIDIA can do, right? I'm not saying it's true. It was added at the last minute. but uh, and, I, and I'll definitely ask some people what if they think this is. All the samples I've seen are 12 gigabytes. But again, why would you be testing that many samples more than 12 gigabytes, right? If you're mm-hmm. going to do a bunch of software work, 12 gigabytes is fine and stuff. All right. Any other things to say about this, though? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, what I would say is this, is if it does turn out that last minute they make the 3080, <laughs> 20 gigabytes i'm sorry guys they're fucking terrified of amd then uh, yeah and i'm excited to see what AMD's doing then because that Man, is... it will really suck if amd has nothing that, that would be hilarious if amd had nothing and they went with this <laughs> yeah uh, i mean at the very least nvidia seems scared indeed so anyways though um all right jory writes in and says given that gcn is finished do you think there's a possibility that Radeon 7 might actually age worse than a 5700 XT, given there might be fewer people working on the game drivers? Um, I, I don't think that's the issue. I, you know, I think GCN is going to be well-supported. There's been so many cards that have used its architecture or an iteration of GCN. They're basically evolving GCN into CDNA, although I am starting to hear some really interesting things about CDNA where it has its own enhancements that are some things from RDNA 2 and some things that just aren't in RDNA 2. So Mm -hmm. that is interesting. But no, I don't think it's going to be a driver thing. I just think the 5700 XT is far more powerful than people realize, right? And that it takes... RDNA 1, is they weren't quite done fixing RDNA is what basically the story is. And so they made kind of a hybrid of GCN and RDNA what we would call RDNA 1.5 or RDNA 2 to get something out the door and also so that it can just straight up use GCN drivers without any headaches. RDNA 2 is the big yeah. one, guys. I, I don't think it's a driver thing. I think RDNA is just really powerful. Like, and that you just have to remember that it's like the differences in cache. Like, so like the 5700 XT just is a stupid example. I mean, this isn't everything, but it has the same amount of ROPs as my Radeon 7 and it clocks a little faster. And so if you look at the organization, right, of its compute units, I mean, it's kind of organized in a way where it's maximizing the compute units far, far more than Vega does. That might be why Vega doesn't age, you know, magically as well. It's just RDNA is a powerful new architecture. Well, yeah. Even the hybrid version. Yeah, and like more powerful for gaming, right? Because ROPs are very important for scaling and gaming performance, correct? That's pixel fill rate, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so RDNA 2 supposedly will be good at a lot of other things, though. But uh, yeah, so and Keith writes in and he says, would you bet a $100 bill that the best RDNA 2 card would beat a 3080 Ti? No. <laughs> <laughs> Easy answer for me there. And I, again, I think people keep thinking I'm overhyping AMD. No, what I'm saying is I think AMD's RDNA 2 is way better than Turing. I'm not saying it's going to beat more than a 3080, and I'm 
I'm not sure it's going to be the 3080 either, right? But I think people go, oh, so you think it's weak? It's like, no, I think the 3080 could be stronger than you guys think. <laughs> yeah, the 3080 also might be strong and also might have 20 gigs of RAM, apparently. So <laughs> Yeah, like we don't, you know, some of those leaks from like Time Spy and stuff, that 31% better than a 2080 Ti, could be the 3080, guys. Could be. Yeah. Might yeah, not just be an underclock 3080 Ti, especially, I mean, I think, I think they're really going to push the 3080 hard and then decide if they need a 3080 Ti. I mean, yeah, because that's also missing the 3080 Ti. I mean, based on that leak that we t- possible leak we talked about, that's still missing from the lineup. And and everything okay. I've seen is, again, my the source that I'm 100% sure of about the 3090, no mention of a 3080 Ti. So I think a Titan and 3080 Ti are just waiting if they need it. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. They want to see what RDNA 2 is and then get it out, especially if it has to use, you know, TSMC to win. Yeah. My name is Nobody writes in and says several questions, all related to most of Ampere being on 8 nanometer after the latest two-year leak video. Do you have any indication of the performance delta from most of launch Ampere being on 8 nanometer as opposed to 7? Um, is enough? Is it enough that it could be losing factor for NVIDIA? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. So it's funny. Uh, I, have a, I have a link in the description, guys. I actually did a video on this around the beginning of this year. And God, when was it? I'm looking at it. March 11th. I did, is 10 nanometer good enough for NVIDIA? Which remember, 8 nanometer is a upgraded 10 nanometer Mm -hmm. node from Samsung. So, and the conclusion I came to in the video, and again, I keep getting better at this, so I don't know if there's mistakes or not, but the conclusion I came to is that Samsung 8 nanometer is basically half a node behind early TSMC 7. And that if with N7P, AMD is basically half a node ahead of NVIDIA, depending on what metric you look at. So the density of Samsung's 8 nanometer isn't bad. It isn't. You can fit these dyes on there. It just seems to have way worse frequency scaling and efficiency. And the other conclusion I come to is if AMD uses TSMC 7 nanometer EUV for the top card, oh, AMD might be over a node ahead then. And that's really bad for NVIDIA. And that's why they would need to launch something on a better node. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, my understanding, and again, I don't remember everything, is that basically you're looking at like 20 to 40% more power usage, 20% lower clocks, and uh, but somewhat comparable density to TSMC 7 with Samsung 8 nanometer. And I mean, that's kind of what I think we're seeing. In these samples being tested, it's like, they're like, yeah, we just, you know, we're just going to, instead of having a GA-103, we're going to give 102 to the 3080, but disable the least efficient compute units. Nope, not clocking to 2.4 gigahertz anymore. Now it's just 2.1. And it's actually going to use more energy than before. But at the end of the day, the performance difference, if you're willing to cool 400 watts, seems like 20%, 30%. And that's why they can just put the top card on 7 nanometer. And if they manage to beat AMD with the 3080, I think it's actually kind of a good look. It's like, and you see this shit? We don't need 7 nanometer to beat AMD. But this Titan or this 3090 is 7 nanometer. And look how much better it is. If we ever want to beat them, this is what we can do anytime we want. But we don't even need to. And now we have no capacity constraints at Samsung and can pump these suckers out. So yeah, they're less efficient gamers. But guess what? Now you can all afford a 102 die for less than 1,000. That's their argument, I think. And if they're disabling that much of the die, like, I don't know, maybe the power usage isn't that insane. But I, I don't know. Could be like 350 watts. I mean, 350 watts, I guess, is a, a ton of energy. But I don't know. They've released 
more power-hungry cards before, that wouldn't at all surprise me if they'd do it again if it meant that they could hold on to the performance crown. Yeah, well, we're already kind of talking about it. So let me, I'm going to skip ahead here, Dan. So we're actually going to go to story number nine. And so where are we at here in the timestamp? So Adore TV speculates that Ampere could be on Samsung 5 nanometer, which is their quote-unquote fixed version of 7 nanometer EUV. So, for and this is the write-up I did for his video. For months, many leakers have been debating how much of the Ampere lineup is Samsung 8 nanometer versus TSMC 7, with some reputable ones even doubling down on Twitter that it all has to be 8 nanometer. Jim at Adore TV decided to flip the table over and suggest that NVIDIA will boldly choose Samsung's uh, inefficient and bad-yielding 5 nanometer node. This node is roughly comparable to a TSMC 7 nanometer EUV in density and design characteristics, but again, its yields are pitiful and its clock speed and efficiency should prove to be much, much worse than TSMC 7. This would for sure be an absurdly ridiculous secret to have been kept this long, but I guess it could make sense. Although one more time, this would be a secret on the level of a secret (laughs) co-processor. That's my write-up. I'm pretty proud of it. I mean, yeah. I, uh, did you watch his video? It was actually it was a pretty good video. I uh, I didn't get the chance to watch this one. I'll, I'll watch it later. But so if their clock speeds are way worse, what would be their purpose for switching to five nanometer? Um, so, and this is the argument he makes that makes me go, okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he says, originally, right, originally, and I believe this may just be a fact, Ampere was designed with Samsung 7 nanometer EUV in mind. 5 nanometer EUV is an iteration of the 7, so that it wouldn't need a full redesign. That's mm-hmm. the argument, basically, is that they just want to double down on this despite it half not working because that would be easier than going back to 8 nanometer. Oh, okay. Hmm. And that would also explain why they have to cut down the 3080 so bloody much and why they would have canceled the 103 die because they're like, <laughs> we're going to need really cut down dies. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's like, yeah, this uh, half of these just won't work, but we'll be <laughs> we'll be able to pump them out on fi- uh, quote unquote five nanometer without having to redesign everything. I mean, I guess maybe that would suggest that they're st- kind of strapped for cash, though, wouldn't it? Um. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's just cheaper is cheaper. And, and so again, like, I think that's an understandable argument though. It like, when you put it that way, it was originally designed for seven nanometer EOV. This is supposedly the fixed version and they canceled one Oh three to go to one Oh two almost last minute. That's probably Mm -hmm. why. It, there's an argument here. There's a very real argument if he is sure a source he has is 100% true. There's definitely an argument, you know, that this could be true. However, when I said this on Twitter, like to some people, you know, I want to be clear about one thing. I'm sure of my Ampere info. Like it, more info keeps coming out that what I've reported is true. So nothing I've reported changes. Just cross out eight and put five if a, a door it's right. <laughs> Which I was talking to Matthew, who, who works for Adored, and I was like, and he seems to think because of that detail, our, my info has can't be true. No, dude, all I've been told is validated at Samsung, and all of my uh, sources assume eight nanometer. So, so you're just, so you're just um, I guess, making 
not assuming why, why can't i think of, you're inferring that they're going to be using eight nanometer because that's that's the one that on its face makes the most sense well and its density is pretty close to you know seven nanometer i thought I, I, I And so that, uh, what I said on Twitter is this. None of my info changes about Ampere. I'm sure of it by now. I now have so many sources saying the same thing. People that I've verified, you know, employment names you would recognize. No, guys, I'm sure of my Ampere info. But what that means, though, is if this is really five nanometer, that's how bad their five nanometer is compared to TSMC seven. <laughs> that's what the that's what I and you can bet. I'll do a video about that then going, it's so bad I thought it was eight. Where they have to cut down their dyes by 20% to get them to work. Well, I mean, I was told the, the it seemed like one of the full dyes on GA-102 overwhelmed the air conditioning. The quote was, it can still boost to 1.9 gigahertz standard with like a 350 watt. Um, graphics TDP limit, like literally telling the card you can't use more than this, and it was boosting to 1.9 gigahertz. If you remove that limit, it actually did, he said, boost to 2.2 gigahertz and was really powerful, but it used more than 400 watts and overwhelmed the air conditioning. And I'm (laughs) like, so I want to be clear again about what Adored said. Yeah, that could be Samsung 5 nanometer. Just keep in mind my info doesn't change. It just means Samsung's 5 nanometer sucks besides density, I guess. Which I actually remember you reading that quote off to me at one point, and I, I think I assumed that uh, he, he was being hyperbolic, <laughs> but that would be hilarious if, no, it really does just uh, you uh, dump out that much heat. <laughs> I mean, if it's using 400 watts, the heat's got to go somewhere. Yeah, that's true. You know, and so I want to be clear about this leak. Look, I talk to some people that aren't even sources, just what do you think about this, right? And mm-hmm. it's like Qualcomm just canceled. Samsung's five nanometer saying it's not high performing enough moving to TSMC, I believe, was the company. And so, and I believe that IBM's launching on Samsung seven nanometer in a year. <laughs> so, I look, I, I do think this leak has to be taken with a grain of salt. I think Adored even said that as well. He said, take this with a massive pinch of salt. And then he flips over the table and says, what if it's neither eight or seven? But I want to say it again. Doesn't change what I reported. If it's five nanometer, then NVIDIA's insisting on going with what they might perceive as no worse than eight anyways. They'll just cut down cards. And again, it has the benefit of no read as not as much of a redesign. And they can hope yields improve over time and then they can do a refresh that works. Kind of like Fermi. Ampere may be NVIDIA's Fermi if it's like just straight up if it's on five nanometer. This sounds so much like, again, I would be worried about Ampere's reliability though. Because this happened with Fermi, and they had failures left and right. We had so many of our cards from Fermi break because of it, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's not because it uses a lot of energy. My Vega's been mining in the other room 24-7 for, God, almost three years now, Dan, since 2017. Nothing. No problems. But that's because the node worked, and it was meant to use that much energy. I would really worry about reliability of Ampere cards if it's on Samsung 5 nanometers. So that's a warning I'll give everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, like, does it make a lot of heat? That doesn't correlate with if something is going to break. It's is the machine designed to handle that amount of right, heat? Right. Which, and, like, and was this designed with this node being in such a shitty state? Yeah. It's like a car is designed to, have it to explode thousands of times a minute and it doesn't ever 
<laughs> the oh, but then it turns out. out we can't use this alloy. We got to switch the engine yeah, to this exactly. one at the last minute. That's when you get an engine breaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, what do you, I mean, I think it's an interesting rumor and I think people, again, I'm just openly saying, eh, adored could be right guys. And all I would say is, yep, just go to my previous videos, cross out eight and put five nanometer. Yeah. It, that all makes sense to me. <laughs> Ah, this is such going to be such an interesting fall. All right, uh, story number 10. Apple confirms cloud gaming services like xCloud and Stadia violate their App Store guidelines. And I quote from The Verge, Apple has finally come out and said in a statement to Business Insider that these kinds of cloud services like Stadia and xCloud are in violation of their store guidelines and cannot, in their current forms, ever exist on iOS. Interesting, ever. The primary reason they offer access to apps Apple can't individually review. Apple doesn't know what you're buying or playing on its devices because it can't review them beforehand. It also doesn't see any revenue from these services if they simply allow you to access a subscription, which was the crux of a big showdown between Apple and Basecamp, the creators of a new email service, Hey!, last month as well, which resolved only when Basecamp compromised with the iPhone maker by adding a free sign-up option to its iOS app. In other words, unless it's a full remote desktop app, a cloud gaming service is not allowed as these guidelines are written today, even though very narrowly tailored land services like Steam Link and Sony's PS4 remote play are seemingly still allowed. Yeah, it's about money. Apple. Wait, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. And I believe this is getting nasty. I've heard Epic's like, we're going to war and like these companies are mad. You heard who is going to war? Did you say Epic? Yeah, I think there's something with Epic arguing with Apple, too. Maybe it's a different thing. Maybe I'm stupid, Dan. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Apple runs an incredibly closed-down operating system. That, that I mean, yeah, they're, they have an ecosystem that's completely curated to what they want. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say this 100%, but yeah, 100%. But I like definitely think this is about money. I don't know what else it would be. Oh, no. So yeah, I think I'm thinking of something different. Apple is in a giant lawsuit with Epic now, too, but over Fortnite, and it's a similar argument for the percent cut Apple gets to take out of an app. Mm. So, yes, I mixed it up, but I'll add this link as well. This is also happening, Dan. Apple getting a lot of fights. <laughs> I'm curious how much this will like hurt uh, services like xCloud and St- uh, Stadia, though. I don't know what pla- I mean, what uh, format people typically use them on, like, because you, I'm a, I would guess most people use them on like a smart TV or something, right? Uh, yeah, but you can use it on your phone with a controller. I mean, yeah, and if that's what you want to do, I guess you have to get an Android phone now, or as usual, some type of agreement. I don't know if they will though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have much else to add. I just think there's going to be some huge repercussions from this, and so we actually do have to follow this story. Mm-hmm. All right, and we actually did just take a break, but Dan pointed out that I skipped the story. There was story number eight that I skipped over and then never came back to. And he's like, do you want to answer those people's questions? I'm like, I guess. So (laughs) Bullethead writes him and he says, I bet you $5 at the moment NVIDIA announces their Ampere reveal event, AMD will schedule an RDNA 2 reveal within one to two weeks. So I would actually take that bet if you mean now. Because I know they're validating final versions of RDNA 2. And everything I've heard is like December is the launch date. Now, it doesn't sound like a paper launch. It sounds like a full launch. Maybe you'll get to November. It basically is my understanding. But that's it. So I don't think there's any chance AMD announces anything in the next month. So, in fact, 
you know, that what I was told about August 21st being the reveal event, I almost wonder if NVIDIA is pushing it up even further because they want to be able to reveal something where AMD can't announce a new event within two weeks. I think, and, and I think they're going to, even if it's limited numbers, I think NVIDIA wants to get things out before AMD a full month or two so they can have that time on the market. Yeah, and if they um, if they announced the release in December, that would be a bit early to do it. That would be a bit early to do it, I guess, in like the first or second week of September. Although if AMD were able to get some event out that quickly, I think they could really deflate uh, NVIDIA's momentum, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've seen discussions on Chip Hell forums where they're like talking about how it's unlikely to meet the original November 11th date, which if you guys will remember, I reported AMD wanted that show of, you know, show of strength. And the around November, they wanted the consoles and their desktop cards and Zen 3 out at the same time to just dominate the... Dominate the market, dominate the mindshare of PC gaming and all gaming, really. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that I think that was their original launch date for RDNA 2 was November 11th. And it's going to slip to December. But I would suspect they'll start talking a lot October, I think. So I would take that bet. I think NVIDIA's launching first. There's no way around it. It's uh, obvious. Yeah, definitely. And like way yeah. first. Uh, but that does bring us to story number eight, which I almost skipped. NVIDIA teases RTX 3000 Ampere GPU launch event. So we've kind of been dancing around talking about this directly. I guess we'll get to it. But yeah, August 31st. And the fact that I'm told that 21st may be the reveal of these cards. Like I, I, I've just been told August 20. This is the quote. August 21st is the date. So it's like, okay. You have to wonder, right? If it's like the 31st is actually the official launch. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So they posted this video on the 10th and they said 21 days, 21 years. I, I mean, that suggests the 31st. Like, is somebody saying inside NVIDIA or a friend or whatever? Is no, this is a source that that's 100% right. He says that it, to me, it sounds like AIB is me know that they unveil some things on the 21st and then 31st maybe mm-hmm. the full unveiling is what I think. Oh, so maybe they do some like small-ish teaser or smaller teaser Mm -hmm. to what the big event. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's too much to talk about here, but I think it. I I think it needs to be addressed that there's some big thing happening on the thirty first for sure. (laughs) Yeah, in the next couple weeks, where and we're probably going to finally see what Ampere actually is. Truly, see what it actually is. Yeah, and that's why this, you know, this episode of Broken Silicons. it's a bigger storm is coming, which the original name, the working title was the storm before the bigger storm is just shorter, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, how I see it. You know, this is a really long episode. I think Dan, we may have to consider depending on what guests I have lined up. Like I have a pretty big guest next week, hopefully. And it's a couple more lined up after that. But I think we have to consider doing when we can news episodes two weeks in a row, if our schedule allows it, because this is, Maybe it would be two episodes on the shorter side, but there's enough content here for two episodes that we're covering this week. And it's getting, if you guys think a lot of leaks are happening and a lot of releases are happening in August, dude, September through November is going to get insane. We might just have to be a podcast channel for one month. <laughs> Hopefully not. I will be very busy in the next couple of weeks. So. But yeah, you agree, right? Like as much as everyone's being dizzied by the amount of leaks now, just it's you haven't yeah. seen anything yet. Yeah. 
Lord Stark 677 writes, and it says, not sure if it was talked about in depth yet, but I was wondering, what are your thoughts or guesses on how available 3080 Ti or 3090s, whatever they're called, will launch? Uh, or when do you think it'll be available in the sense that someone can just order it from Amazon or Newegg? I'd say October. October is when I think decent availability for multiple SKUs. You never know if some of them are on seven nanometer, what availability there will be. But I, I've seen pictures of AIB cards, guys. So I'll just let you know. I think AIBs will be launching pretty close to the founders. And you'll be able to buy things on Newegg in decent volumes by October. I think NVIDIA's goal, honestly, is to capture the market before RDNA 2 comes out. They want to get as many of these suckers out, pumped out from Samsung's garbage node as they can <laughs> uh, and capture the market before Cyberpunk is out, which is my birthday. November 19th, which infers that if AMD isn't out by December, NVIDIA understands that everyone will be building new rigs with Zen 3 for Cyberpunk, and that if they can just get a full lineup out with huge capacity for two months, maybe they'll just have everyone buy it ahead of time anyways. That's true, and if AMD doesn't get it out by Cyberpunk, that means that they're insulting your birthday, which is also pretty bad. But uh, yeah, what the fuck's that about? Um, but yeah, so I guess too, if I were to guess, I've been told to be skeptical of AMD leaks until all of Ampere's out. But I suspect AMD will be dropping massive teasers and leaks in late September because they need to try to deter people to just wait that little longer to get their cards around Cyberpunk, if I had to guess. They're, I know they're going to try yeah. to get something out. They got to try to get at least Navi 22 out by. Cyberpunk. They can't miss that. I, I mean, first to market advantage will still be a thing, even if they even if they get a few people to stop not buy it. I mean, I, I think they need to respond in some way uh, to make it at least appear that NVIDIA isn't uh, beating them out of the gate completely. Yeah, like even just a refresh of like a 5750 XT next month. That's, you know, like a 15% better 5700 XT and then they make it 300 bucks. That would help. Yeah. Having said that, Cyberpunk's ray tracing is a big marketing part of that game and I guys, I think Nvidia is going to have some pretty powerful 3060s. I don't know. I mean, or if they're confident enough in what their final lineup is is going to be do some sort of paper launch. Yeah. All right. Well, so we went back to that. Thank you for reminding me about that story, Dan. Uh, let us move on, skipping back ahead to story number 11. Xbox Series S outed by next-gen controller leak, and it's definitely legit. Quoting from Ars Technica, Ars Technica was directly sent photos of the new controller's instruction manual, which shows the power buttons of a console that looks like an Xbox Series X, along with the images of a laptop and a smartphone. However, there's a slash that shows S next to the X. These explain how to sync the controllers with comparable hardware, but the manual doesn't show older Xbox One models, nor does it show a possible alternative of smaller console design for the S. Whether this means the S will have a, sa a same monolithic shape or not remains to be seen. Yeah, I wouldn't read into that too much, guys. But yeah, so there it is. There's an S. There's definitely an Xbox Series S. I was told by a source it was shaky before. Now it's confirmed. Now it's 100%. So before it was 150% confirmed. Now it's 100-100% confirmed is how I'll put it. I think this is... So I'm a little confused. Wait, so did some rando just receive an, a controller that has... Uh, uh, they're producing white versions of the Series X controller. And in the manual, it shows S. 
Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's that's how we uh, 100% confirmed the Series S. Again, they've had samples of this APU for a, like half a year. Like they, We've known it's a project. It's just never, there's always been this, and, and I'm sure it's some truth to it, you know. I'm sure behind the scenes, Microsoft was deciding if they should release this because you could argue it's going to destroy their argument that their console's the strongest. But now they're not even saying that. Now they've changed their marketing to say they're making the strongest Xbox because they're worried they don't have the strongest console. So they're definitely going forward with it. Yeah. And I wonder if they're being cagey about it at this point, like to, because um, I, I wonder if there are a group of people that will just buy that if they were released at the same time or if mm. announced at the same time, they would pre-order the series S instead, but hey, it has the same SSD, the same IO. It's just 1080p and 1440p instead of 4k. A lot of people would. Yeah, and I think there's a further group of people that they will, they'll just buy the Series X first if they can, if that's what they can get their hands on first. So maybe they're being cagey about the Series S right now because I don't know. Oh, hoping maybe some yeah. will buy it. You know, and, and that's the thing, and that's what one source told me too that he believes the Series S will be launched end of year maybe even early next year or like, you know, like a month after the X because they want to launch with at least a few weeks, at least a few weeks, at least of the series X being marketed as the super powerful console. Then once people think of Xbox as powerful, then they'll launch the cheaper one without a disc drive. That's like, you know, half a third, the rasterization performance, which is <laughs> lines up perfectly basically with running 1080p instead of 4k. Um, and you know, I, I think that argument makes sense, and it does sound like that's what they're going to do. But I continue to believe the shrewder business move, playing arm, let's just call this episode Tom Plays Ar- Armchair CEO. Um, I think the shrewder business move is to launch it as soon as possible for the lowest price they can stomach, like 250 and say it's out in a month before the PlayStation 5, and it'll run all the same games with an SSD. I think that's way smarter, but what do I know? And if I'm being honest, uh, based on the last episode, I think it was the last episode we recorded, I'm almost a little surprised the Series S wasn't officially announced at this point because they discontinued. It's already past mid-August. It's August, as of this recording, August 18th. Isn't that hilarious? We thought we'd have a PlayStation and Xbox show by now again, and nope. But no, they discontinued the Xbox One X and the uh, discless Xbox One. Like, I'm surprised they haven't uh, unveiled this at this point. Like, I thought maybe they were going to do some surprise thing like, oh, and the Series S exists. But that's that's not what they're doing. So I think that suggests it is coming out after, right? Yeah, and it suggests that they're worried about the image of what it, uh, what the Series S will look like, which is disappointing because I think the Series S is a brilliant idea. I do too. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant move, an overlooked idea that Sony maybe should have considered. But I, again, I, I don't need to get into old conversations. Yeah, yeah. I do get Sony's argument, actually. But yeah, I do too. And I think that I again, it's almost sometimes like I feel like Microsoft doesn't realize how good some of their good ideas are and how bad some of their bad ideas are. I mean, to me, it's almost like I don't know exact the exact right analogy is, but it's like, oh, you think everything needs to go to 4K? I bet 60% of people don't give a shit. Yeah. If the other game launch it for 250 right now, a month (laughs) before the PlayStation comes out, and you can take market share. It's like, come on. I know. 
Whatever, though. That's not what they're doing, I guess. Yeah, we're going to get into other dumb decisions they made. Cruster writes in, <laughs> Hi, trendsetters. I wanted to ask about a comment that Red Tech Gaming made about... Isn't it Red Gaming Tech? I don't know. Made about the yields at AMD being better than expected for PS5 and Xbox Series X. He said that the yields are so good that they may consider enabling more of the silicon in the PS5 and Xbox. Uh, and that they could ramp up the frequencies a bit. My question is, how could better yields in silicon improve frequency? Cheers. I think it had a little beer sign in the original post, too. Um, so, I mean, this is something I've also heard. And no, it wasn't from him. I had sources who told me the uh, God of War thing and, the, and, and hinted at the other um, exclusive I can't talk about for PS5. He said, yeah, I mean, and it is true, by the way, that the yields on TSMC 7 nanometer are like, they were at like 80% yields the end of last year. I mean, I think they've been at 95 or more percent yields for a while. TSMC 7 nanometer is very mature. Almost as mature as like their 12. Well, it's not as mature as their 12. I can't say that. But it's like in terms of like dyes, you don't necessarily need to disable a part of it. It's, it's going well. And they were going to disable two dual compute units, right? So two, like four CUs total. Four, four CU, yeah. Yeah. So... And again, really, AMD should call them DCUs from now on. It's not compute units. They have to disable one. They're going to disable two. So the argument is, and I know these, these discussions have happened at Sony and Microsoft, that they might go to 38 and 54 compute units, or at the very least, the Xbox Series S, maybe 22 compute units instead of 20. And I think that's possible. However, after seeing the Hot Chips Xbox show, and again, it could be a hidden secret. Could be. But we're seeing so much. We still don't know the price of these consoles a couple months, three months before they come out. Like, yeah, maybe they're playing chicken and Xbox doesn't want to reveal they updated the performance. Maybe. But I kind of suspect the Xbox Series X isn't going to get any tweaks. They're just going to try to focus on keeping it $500. And I think the Series S may get an upgrade because they want to ensure it doesn't struggle with any games. If anything, you want to make sure the Series S, it plays it safe with more than running 1080p so you don't get any of these comparisons where they're like, you know. I, I mean, I think ideally something like the Series S is it would literally, like, it gets the exact same performance <laughs> at 1080p. Like, all games, like, okay, 1080p, the Series X gets... 124k the series s gets 120 1080p i think that's the ideal situation but i don't know if that's how it'll pan out but yeah so the series s being as strong as it needs to be i think is important for marketing and and i'm just and this is a little bit of speculation but there's some dot connecting here my understanding is one of the reasons the xbox series x is such a compressed a dense die of compute units is that they forgo they forgone a, a lot of the things you would use for boosting the compute units. That's what I've been told directly multiple times that they're fixing it at 1.8 gigahertz because that was their target. They hit it, they're happy, and that they want to make the compute units even closer together to be able to make more dies. That they knew they were going to have a die bigger than the PlayStation Five, so let's make it as small as possible while we're at it. I don't know how much they can adjust the frequency of the Xbox guys. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's meant to run at fixed speeds. I believe the Xbox Series S may also be used in surfaces so that one can be boosted a bit more, which is what I've heard, that they might go to 22 compute units and overclock it. As for the PS5, it's all about the smart shift and boosting, so I wouldn't rule out 38 compute units, and I don't think they're going to... 
I don't think they're going to overclock the frequency anymore. I believe it. The original goal is like 2.1 gigahertz. So I think they're happy with 2.2. I think they could enable more though. And again, I know for a fact, PlayStation was considering 16 gigabit per second memory, which again, I have to say, I really hope they go with because that thing I do think needs a bit more bandwidth. And I would say, I I just feel like by now, um, if that decision is made, it's already been made. Exactly. The PlayStation 5 has been in production for two months. And that's why I said in my video about this that I think it's possible. I've heard they discussed it, but it's a pretty well guarded secret at this point. And the one thing I would say to if it's a pretty well guarded secret is I, I don't know why it's being kept a secret unless they unless they want one card that they can play uh, if I don't know Xbox says something. Well, I mean, what if it is you know a PlayStation fanboy's dream come true? What if they overclock it slightly and add thirty eight compute units and bump up the bandwidth a bunch? Then they're like, boom, our specs are now the same or higher. Last minute, that would kind of last minute before the consoles come out be like a scrambling I mean, at Xbox, get, you guys have no argument to buy your console anymore. That's why you I would hide like, it. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's like a scenario of, I don't know, let's say three weeks from now, Microsoft holds an event, they unveil the price, and then Sony comes out a week later and unveils the price and says, oh, by the way, we have this. I guess there's that scenario. Well, and I think this is just something I have to say. I think it's obvious Sony thinks they're in control of the narrative all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden, they have been. Like, they I think mean, they're they in, they, yeah. So, like, and again, we don't need to rehash old, you can listen to older broken cell cons where we talk about view counts and like interest and poll numbers and all that. But like, Sony believes they're in charge right now of the narrative. So, I, I think it's obvious Sony doesn't want to play any cards unless they have to. I know they have a lot of exclusives they're waiting to unveil, but they still haven't yet. And I know that they, it's absurd they haven't revealed the price. There's even talk that they may, re, they may open pre-orders without showing the price first. It's because Sony thinks that as little as they show as possible is an advantage and that they're in charge. And, and so until they feel they're not in charge, they're not going to talk about anything. They're just so stubborn about it. I think at this point, that is the argument for why they wouldn't have said it yet. Uh, and Keith writes in, is it more accurate to say that PS5 will have RDNA 3 features or that the PS5 has features that aren't present in RDNA 2 but aren't from RDNA 3 either since that is not fully developed yet but AMD will try to replicate those? It's more accurate to say that PS5 has features that aren't in RDNA 2. That, that's the accurate way to say it. Except how I've had it described is it's a partnership. So, so AMD is planning to implement some of Sony's customizations into RDNA 3. And by the way, I've heard some pretty wild stuff, guys, like per compute unit clock speeds and, you know, turning... Comp- like, there's a lot of interesting stuff that I haven't covered yet about PS5, just because, again, if you thought the trolls and the fanboys around AMD and Intel and NVIDIA were bad, I it's like 10x PS5 and Xbox. So I try to be yeah. extra careful whenever I decide to finally talk about some info I have on the consoles for that reason. But yeah, I've heard some pretty wild things, and it's more accurate to say... There are customizations on the PS5 that probably aren't in desktop RDNA 2 and that they will find their way into RDNA 3. And I've even heard or later. I think there's a couple patents Xbox has too that it's up for debate exactly how good they are, what they'll be used for that also might not be in desktop RDNA 2. I mean, yeah, once again, to go back to the Mark Cerny quote, to paraphrase him, uh, we are putting uh, features from... uh, into our console that are not present in RDNA 2. And if they find their way into later 
AMD products, we consider they considered our collaboration a success. So it's like they, Mark Cerny's literally said this. This is why, again, you've said this to me, Dan. All roads lead back to that original PS5 presentation, where people are like, "What? This is a crazy rumor." It's like he literally said it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I, I think I've said that on the podcast too. Where I'm just like, people are like b- speculating so much on like, wait, what could the PS5 be? And it's like, go back to that com that uh, conference. I think Mark Cerny had in late March, early April this year where he literally told you what the PS5 was and then everything. <laughs> and then every piece of news you've seen for the uh, subsequent uh, four, four and a half months, I guess, has just been confirmation of things that he said in that conference. It's honestly starting to feel like the argument that RDNA 2 won't be very powerful, where I'm like, so they're just lying? Like, you know, the numbers suggest this is how good it is. Um, yeah, and right. these are official numbers. But yeah, so story number 12. Microsoft delays Halo Infinite to 2021. Now, this is something that didn't necessarily need to be its own story, but there's a lot of repercussions around this that I want to discuss that I'm not hearing. See, because like you either hear people downplaying how big of a deal it is, or you hear people almost like, honestly, just like PlayStation fanboys, like, Xbox dead. I'm not hearing a lot of intelligent discussion around Halo <laughs> Infinite's delay. It's either a fanboy on either side. As usual with consoles, it seems, by the way. Um, well, so here's what I'm going to do. I, I have some things to say, but let me quote here first just from The Verge. Microsoft and 343 Industries are making the decision to delay the launch of Halo Infinite to 2021. 343 Industries says the delay is related to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic as employees have shifted to work from home and development of large games has been particularly difficult for many in the industry. I've been told, by the way, is they outsource a lot of its work, and that's a problem. But... um. So here's my problem. Uh, again, like I said, it's usually fanboys talking about it, but number one, yeah, it's really bad. This was hey, uh, Xbox's big, big game at launch, and now they don't have it. And I think people aren't thinking about what this means. This idea that it was the coronavirus, I think is just absolute bullshit because they didn't announce this before the gameplay reveal. They announced this after, thus inferring they are delaying it because everyone told them it was bad and it required everyone else telling them it's bad for them to realize it's not ready. No one's like, this is very bad for that reason, specifically because I see so many people saying, oh, it'll probably come out in January. No, I think this could be like Uncharted 4 where behind the scenes in Charted 4, they decided they need to remake half the game. And it was delayed two years or more to remake the game. I think this is coming out late next year. At the earliest. I mean, like, what they showed was bad. Um, I mean, we'll see. I, your theory is confirmed. If, it, if it's not in the, I guess, and that's a subjective term, what the launch window is. But if it doesn't come out within the first three to four months of the uh, Series X being out, I completely agree that, like, yeah. This was 100% due to the reaction. And even if it does come out in four months, like I, it was probably partially due to the negative reaction where like, yeah, the game, the game looked awful. The game, the game looked. And and we're not Halo haters. We just played through Halo again in the Master Chief collection. And again, I can't recommend that collection enough. What, what a bang for your buck, if anything, but like, no, this didn't look as good as Halo 2 Remastered. And the gameplay looked 
boring. Like, and so yeah. this idea that it's coming out in January, I think they're half going back to the drawing board. Um, I mean, if they're going back to the drawing board, yeah, I would think that it would be delayed two years. Uh, that that it might need to be. Delayed I mean, do you really want to release this as a mediocre game? The last Halo was called mediocre. This could kill the series if it's not really good. That's true. I mean, because I guess my assumption is that they're going back in to like update some of the graphics, but the graphics weren't that, my problem. My problem was I wasn't seeing anything new in the gameplay. Like they even had a grappling hook that he did nothing with in the demo, making me wonder if the grappling hook was literally just a last minute. Let's add this. I guess, I guess, uh, five months from now, if we see a, uh, a new demo where they're showing off the grappling hook a lot more than you're, you're probably right. And, and again, we're not hating guys. We're not fanboys. We like Halo. I'm just saying, I don't see enough intelligent discussion around this. Does anyone else but me remember years ago that there was the rumor that the next Halo was going to be a battle royale? No one? I think it's obvious that they built a game where half of it was battle royale. They decided like a lot of other developers, like Housemark recently with Returnal, by the way, where they scrapped a Battle Royale game because they said the, the this market is just far too filled up with other things. We're not going to compete. So they made a different game instead. That they made a Halo that looks like past Halos, is easy to run. That's why the graphics weren't impressive because it was built from the ground up to run on everything because it's a Battle Royale. And then they had a single player because they needed to and that this work on other things they've canceled has massively held back the quality of the rest of the game. And that I just really think that's obvious that that's what happened and that they need to take more time to really, really make a proper, and with emphasis, underline the word proper Halo, a proper Halo. Which, I mean, yeah, that's interesting, too, because um, this is making me think of uh stuff i heard about call i heard about call of duty recently too where uh i think it was black ops 4 yep might not have had a had a campaign because they focused on the battle royale mode call of duty also um and they decided to cut the campaign instead of the battle royale and it worked out well for them but you know yeah. they had to make a hard decision and what's the uh what's the call of duty the other studio sledgehammer right uh yeah the other studio they, yeah they had they there's Treyarch sledgehammer and then Infinity, uh, Infinity Ward. Ward, yeah. Yeah, Sledgehammer had to completely scrap a game recently, and it's like, I, I don't know, yeah, you hear about a bunch of games being scrapped for unknown reasons, and some of them it seems to be Battle Royale modes, because for some reason Fortnite succeeded, and every game publisher was like, oh, well, we gotta have, make everything yep. Battle Royale, this is clearly the future. When no, Fortnite and PUBG saturated the <laughs> Battle Royale market, and that's it. That's well, it's we like mean. when everyone thought because of Call of Duty 4, you need to tack on a multiplayer and then you get Bioshock 2 with some stupid ass multiplayer no one played, you know, and this is ha and it happened all over again. It's like, no, they made a game that people liked, you know, PUBG yeah. that uh, uh, there's another there's other ones with names Apex that are Legends. Apex Legends. You know, these games exist, but not everyone can make one that does well. I mean. I mean, on Battlefield Five, there's like tens of thousands of people playing online at once, and you can't get in a Firestorm match because no one's playing it. No one wants it in their other games. Yeah, I know. And they, <laughs> but uh, the Battlefield Five, they added it later with one map. To think that you can put all this effort, it takes a lot of work to make a battle royale game. That if that was, and I think it 
it's true that that was one of the initial goals of the Halo, that it wouldn't affect every other part of development. It's obvious it has. They need to take more uh, more than a year to not kill their best franchise, or at least their biggest, whether you think it's best or not. Yeah, and I was, uh, I, I think I was initially trying to make the point that like all of this other stuff flew under the radar because, frankly, like a Call of Duty camp game comes out all of, every year. Sure, don't notice that much if one game is worse than the other. Housemark isn't a huge studio; no one really notices if a Housemark mm-hmm. game gets canceled. If you fuck up a Halo game, that's especially now. Like a Halo game hasn't come out for several years. That's a big deal if you fuck up a Halo game, especially when it's the tentpole of the console you're launching. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially when it's saying like, "Why would I buy an Xbox Series X because Halo Infinite comes out on it?" And frankly, that uh, July stream they did, that's the only piece of evidence they gave me for why I should buy a Series X. And it wasn't a convincing piece of evidence. (laughs) No, and it's, yeah, and again, I think we've pretty much said what we have to say. I don't want to just bash Halo. I just just felt the need to talk about this because I am not hearing this intelligent discussion from many other sources. It's all fanboys on both sides. And it's like, I really think they need to just... I just, I don't think you expect it soon. Like, it it wasn't just a ray tracing patch they were talking about, too, by the way. that It needs more than a ray tracing patch, guys. They need to go back to the drawing board a little bit here, I think. And and really bring in some people and redo a lot of it. That's going to take time. And I guess what I will also say is this. I have heard coronavirus has affected Xbox a lot, though. I will say that. And I think, I'm just throwing this out there. It's an unrelated thing, but... I've heard, and it, you can kind of see it in how aggressive and confident Xbox was when December, January, February, March, coronavirus hits. All of a sudden, they have like a 480p live stream first, and their marketing's kind of all over the place. I have heard that behind the scenes that the coronavirus is affecting Microsoft a lot, though. I will say that. Which more of, you know, more of Microsoft's in uh, America than Sony, you know? And America's not doing well, that great I- with COVID. I mean, and it's like, yeah, um, Naughty Dog had to delay their game a little bit because of COVID-19. I'm sure, yeah, all game developers, I'm sure American game developers are going to be a little bit behind right now. Because frankly, I guess I've never developed a game before, but I'm assuming it's very (laughs) collaborative. So I I wouldn't be surprised if... I'm sure it's hurting all studios, to be clear. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was slowing down their development to an extent as well. Yeah. So, uh, but again, I just think it's preposterous to think that was all it was. Okay. So the last thing I want to touch on of this like console mashup that we always seem to put at the end of our podcasts is I posted this in the discord a couple of times, but it keeps popping up. So I think I need to put this link in the podcast and say it that uh bullshit PlayStation five struggles with 4k thing. Yeah, guys, the guy who posted that literally was banned. He was a mod on Reset Era. He was banned and thread-locked because he admitted behind and DMs that he made up the story about PS5 struggling with 4K. And, <laughs> and I thought that, uh, that info he talked about was obviously fake when he said, devs say smart shift is comparable to the cell processor. That's the dumbest comparison I've heard in my life. That's not what I've heard from any other devs. And it's just pathetic that you have someone who was known for some leaks in the past and actually had good info before, was a mod on this popular forum. And 
He literally said he made it up to balance things out after Halo Infinite was delayed. The link's in the description. This is what happened, people. This is an absurd story. And again, worst case scenario, how many times do I need to say this? The Xbox has 18% more teraflops, the same amount of ROPs, two-thirds of its memory. Two-thirds is 25% more bandwidth. The rest is slower. Its SSD <laughs> is less than half the performance in the I.O. as well. At best, the, the Xbox and raw rendering performance should be about 10% more, maybe 15. This yeah. idea the PlayStation 5 struggles with 4K and the Xbox doesn't also have some problems is preposterous. These consoles are close to each other. All developers say they're both really powerful. And by the way, despite the memory segments on one and, you know, one of them having boost clocks, I'm hurt. I, all I hear is they're both the easiest to program for consoles in history compared to previous gens. Smart shift is a cell processor. I just, ha- what the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, yeah, once again, like we've hammered that to death too. Like the, the idea that people are trying to compare the golf in performance with the PS5. The Xbox One. There's no goal. As <laughs> I mean, the, the Series X. Even being as charitable as possible to the Xbox. To the Xbox, it's still like the Xbox will be 15 to 20 percent better at rendering. So if it can run, if the Xbox Series X could run a game at 4K, the PS5 could run a game at 4K. Especially assuming that they're in marketing, they're talking about the Series X running everything in 4K 120. It's not even the difference between like 1800p and 4K. It would be like dynamic resolution and like 10% of the time the Xbox is running a higher dynamic resolution and that's literally the difference. But we also know there's differences in their geometry engine, ray tracing, the way that data is handled in the I.O. So it's not that simple. They're both powerful. Guys, I I expect more insane fanboy rumors. I was talking to someone on Twitter about it too. Just like, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get bad. This is going to be some insane fanboys soon. And from both sides, I've had PlayStation fanboys attack me because my information isn't positive enough. Yeah, and then to compare that to what people keep trying to comp- uh, say it's the same situation as the Xbox One and the PS4. The PS4 was an upper mid-range card at the time. The Xbox One was a high-end entry-level card. It was an entry-level uh, card, for, straight up. It was like It was a year after the 7770 came out. It was straight up an entry-level card. And the uh, and the bandwidth was like five times higher on the PS4. <laughs> For, yeah, it uh, wasn't five ever. times, but it, it was like double or something. Yeah, well, well, triple. Yeah, it was a lot more. It was a lot more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the goal the, to compare the quote unquote golfs in performance this gen. There is no golf. They're just built with a little different organization. Exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on to the final reader mails. So Tyra writes in and says, Hi, I have a question that came up these last few days. It seems the RTX 3000 series will support PCIe 4.0. Yes, seems so from my leak from four months ago as well. I was wondering if there is any chance using them, Ampere being, on PCIe 3.0 would bottleneck its performance or if the 3.0 bandwidth is likely still more than enough. Honestly, I think it could. I do. Like, I, I, There's no way around it. And here's the examples I'm going to give. All right. I think basically if a Ampere card is stronger than a 2080 Super, you probably definitely want 
4.0 if you don't want any difference. But then you got to decide, do you care if you have a 10% difference in maximum frame rates? Because the minimums will probably still be the same. Remember one of my first builds, I accidentally for a while ran my card out of a PCIe 1.0 times one slot, I think. And the I mi- it was 2.0 times. It might have been. It, I don't remember. You're right. It, it was either, I think it was 2.0 times one. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. And but it was a, a 16th shape, so you could put a full graphics card in it. And I think the minimums on Metro 2033 were the same. It's just the averages were like 10% different. So yeah, minimums are what's important. So you just need to decide if you care. But look, guys, already the 5700 XT gains a few percentage points in uh with PCIe 4.0. They found this on Horizon Zero Dawn just recently. I don't even know what the difference was there. I think it was more than a four percent, and that was it for the 5700 XT. Also. The 5500 XT only has eight PCIe lanes of 4.0. And they've found that on a 3.0, the eight, that the four gigabyte one, especially because it has to swap memory more because it's only four gigabytes, has double digit performance losses in mini games. So I think there's no way around it. If the 5500 XT has that with times eight, 4.0, I don't know. So what's double that in performance? Like I said, around a 2080 Super. So yeah. Yeah, I think if it's above a 2080, there's you're getting some losses. The 55, the 5700 XT already sees some losses. And the answer is yes. But is it going to be a 50% performance loss? Probably not. It's up to you what's worth buying. There's always some bottleneck in your system. I mean, yeah, and it's like having a... If you have a uh, a valve turned on, uh, turned on that allows more water through, like, it, it's never going to hurt anything. And it usually does seem to help. Like, even if on paper like these uh, PCIe 4.0 isn't strictly necessary, it does seem to usually help. It's more bandwidth. But it's it's not that negligible on high-end cards anymore. And we saw a similar thing with GCN 1.0, the 7970 at launch. Everyone said 3.0 doesn't matter versus Fermi. And within a year, you're already seeing some games with like a a 5% difference, 10%. And once you got above the 7970, it was an issue. So yeah, that's what I would say. If the cards are stronger than what's out now, yeah, it, I, you're gonna you could get double digit performance bottlenecks. But again, it's probably not a minimum. So it's up to you if you care. Yeah, Snails writes in. Would you bet twenty dollars that two fifty six gigabyte Optane SSDs, old three DX point, won't become a mainstream PC component in the next five years? Yeah, I would. I don't think it's ever going to, actually. Yeah, and I was looking at... It's a hot take, but I think Optane is never going to be... How did I write this down? Optane seems doomed to never be quite cheap enough for a bunch of people to buy it or fast enough to be competitive against just really fast PCIe 4.0 drives. Yeah, and I looked at it a little bit. I I don't see a convincing reason why I would get it right now. It doesn't... Low latency. It doesn't seem that much better in any way really than nvme i guess lower latency like you said but <laughs> i don't know an i iops and uh read write it's yeah it's falling behind 3.0 yeah it's PCIe it, 3.0 yeah uh, my my drive is faster iops and read write than a fucking 400 dollar 268 gigabyte or 256 uh, or is it 68 i don't know uh wait no i think the one i was looking at was like 286 for some reason yeah but it's that's because they're disabling portions of the silicon that were defective okay. remember because they just, just manufacture it the same way there's no argument for getting that it's it's pointless 
Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I would say, too, is it's a hot take. And hey, I'm happy to be wrong. I wanted 3DX Point to be good five years ago, five years ago. But at this point, no, nah, I don't think it's ever really mainstream. Look, it's in laptops right now. Like my NV13, the new version comes with Ice Lake and a 32 gigabyte Optane drive. So it's like it's mainstream in that sense. But to the point where like everyone has one, I don't think ever. I, I think I think emerging competitors are just going to make it never really take hold. I think. Yeah. Could be wrong. Potatoes are life rights in. And one of your older videos, you said that AMD's GPU market share will increase as their CPU market share, really their CPU mind share, but you know, that's from market share mostly, uh, increases. Yes, I did. And I stand by that. With AMD set to fully take the performance crown, including gaming finally, this fall with Zen 3, do you think there will be an uptick in market share irregardless of RTG's relative performance to NVIDIA? Yes. Yes. RDNA 2 is going to outsell RDNA 1. RDNA 1 outsold previous gens. It was better, but Zen 2 was a big deal. And I think you saw Vega massively outsell Fury because Zen 1 and Zen Plus were great. It, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's not just mining. Uh, you saw way more people buying Vegas than Furies and gaming forums. Yeah, that it's the mind share effect, man. Yeah, nothing else to say right on that, do we, Dan? No. <laughs> TSPCFS writes in, do you have any plans to sell any of your fanboy tier doped wafers to any foundries, or was it a single one-off doped wafer? Nope. I'm keeping them to myself. Mm. Well, that's unfortunate, but I was hoping you would sell a few of them to other foundries, too. But uh, No, I'm know, saving them selfish. to make uh, some ASICs for shitting on fanboys. It's going to be an mm. ASIC fanboy shitter. Well, based Deluxe. on what I've been hearing recently, you might want to use an FPGA instead. Or just a PS5. Oh, uh, shitting on Xbox fanboy. Okay, I'm done. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, this was a long episode. There may be more long episodes. We may even do a, a news one two weeks in a row. I'm guessing probably in October we will or something. Um it's been a lot, but there's been a lot. And we recorded this at the last minute to make sure we didn't miss anything. And there were some last minute additions. So I don't know. I think we've gone long enough. I don't think we need to dwell on any more conversations. Do you have anything else to add, Dan? No. <laughs> I'll just say again, you know, this is fan supported on Patreon. The majority of the funding that pays Dan, pays our audio engineers, comes from there pays for the website hosting to hopefully launch a website Carbon Cry is working on too, who's a technical editor. You want to support us, go to Patreon. You get podcasts early and ad-free. You get to vote on Die Shrinks, which is an exclusive podcast. Old backlog of Flyer States, uh, which is an interview podcast. There's a lot more to get if you support us. But otherwise, we love you, hitchhikers. Just please share our content and uh, spread the gospel, the gospel of fanboy tears. Yeah, we, this is going to become a religion, so please spread the gospel. A religion that's better than the vegans in my Discord preaching that Vega's the best architecture ever. <laughs> Bunch of fucking cultists, Vega owners. I should know, I am one. It is a cult. Yeah, me too. It's a cult. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Goodbye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website, Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law is Dead is a team. 
with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Matthew McMullen, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yunt, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn and Jim Boggs, Joshua Albin, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasta, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil S. Thyrus with the ninth dude, Greg Renegar, TSPCFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Levo Kinkilo, Fatboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, D. Kunky, Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, VI Pass, Sadler Seller, Isaiah Gosner, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchuk, Jacob Barber, Soti, Extra Santana, Matthew Lane, Joe McMorrow, Jan Rauner, Rubber Duck, Street of Full, Allie Robertson, Eric Johnson, Jonathan, Job, Evan Dingle, Dominic Cock, Stefan, Original Ross, Wayne, Sam MacArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Kerry Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom Silafino, Justice Brenham, Ivan K., Trevor Powers, Yuyuko Saigyuji. Alenia, Joshua Stavnis, Daniel Nishpal, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastiel, Dark Rain 2049, Leighton Perry, Mac, Carlos Valdez, Carnivore Barry, Macto 226, Saber, Zaber, Zlicky, Matten, Porsigia, David Cowden, Ricky Tam, Garanadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Quinones Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, Joaquim Hagen, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph, Loria, Carl Marco, Deke, and thank you to Sahara for the music.